Hey, thanks for pressing play on this episode of the Jock and Nerd Podcast. We got a special Halloween-themed episode loaded up for you, listener. Local comic book creator Scott Larson stops by in studio to talk about all the little haunted spots in Chicago. He gave me the goosebumps. And then we round it out with our review of the season seven premiere of The Walking Dead. One of the most anticipated episodes of all time, probably, maybe, I don't know. A bit of exaggeration? Sure, why not? Let's get to it. Happy Halloween, mofos. It's the Jockey Nerd Podcast with your hosts, Anthony and Emma. Jockey Nerd. Hello, friend. Thanks for joining the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Welcome. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. We've got a fun, special kind of our first themed seasonal episode, Anthony. This is going to be kind of a Halloween episode for, for the listener. For all you Halloweeners out there, sons <laughs> of bitches. Oh, happy Halloween, mofos. All of you on AMC and like sci-fi watching <laughs> like horror marathons and for shit. For some people, Halloween every day of the year it is. You know, like you, yeah, I'm a freak of nature. I can't <laughs> avoid it. What do you, what do you, Where can I get me an Imran mask? <laughs> That's a one of a kind. Although I should probably start selling those. Look, if you're a new listener, you never checked out the show before. What we usually do is we got a weekly show. It's a weekly geek fest where we cover comic book, TV, movie related news. We talk about the TV shows, uh, and we just have fun hanging out, but this one's a little different. We had a couple of things fall into place. Halloween is around the corner. So what you're going to hear in this show is a conversation with a, a buddy of ours, Scott Larson, who was on the show before. He's a local comic book creator, uh, last heard on episode 73, and he's here to talk all things Chicago. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about Chicago sports, a little bit about Chicago Comic-Con, early Chicago comic book stores, and then we get into haunted spots in Chicago. Ooh, very spooky. What you're not going to hear... In this conversation is Anthony. Oh, shit. <laughs> you want to explain why that is, Anthony? I apologize to anyone that gives a fuck about my voice. I don't think they do. They don't probably care. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's uh, October 24th, Monday. And as of this moment, the Cubs made it to the World Series, which is the first time since 1945. When Imran Fantastic. decided. To- yeah, it is. Fantastic and jocktastic. <laughs> when Imran decided to record the show, I gave him fair warning that he recorded the Scott Larson bit on Sunday, yep. October 23rd. The day after. The day after the Cubs clinched. And he, he, I mean, he recorded it at a reasonable time. What, noon, probably? Yep, it was at noon. Noon, which is a reasonable time for most. But I started drinking at <laughs> 5.30 p.m. before the Cubs game and was just one continuous uh, drinking episode until about 5 a.m. because the Bro, Cubs do you even up, podcast? Yeah, the Cubs ended up winning, and uh, I was stress drinking throughout, and then celebratory drinking. And then after. celebration drinking. So this is, I mean, this is exciting for everyone in Chicago. Even, like, the whole city can feel it. We talk a little bit about it with Scott. You'll hear that in a second. But, Anthony, real quick, I want to ask you that moment when it, the, the last out, and it's uh, finalized, and the Cubs are going to the World Series for the first time in 71 years. Yes. What was going through your head? I'll just say this is not even a, a, a city story. This is a national story. Absolutely. Everyone in the country is paying attention to this because it is the first time in 71 years, and it's the Cubs. It's the third largest market. 
Cubs have this affinity. You know, they have a worldwide brand. Absolutely. What did that feel like? Um, yeah. It happened fast. So I don't know if you're you're familiar with the term double play, Imran. Oh, it ended on a double play. It ended did on it? A That's very play. exciting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's exciting, but there's no like the, the batter came up. Uh, Chapman, who walked, who was the Cubs closer, walked the Dodger batter. So there's one out, man on first, and the next batter came up, Yasiel Puig, and first pitch, the guy swings at it, double play. Oh, so you shit. don't even have time to kind of like, it's just like, holy shit, it's over. It happened. So it's, it's like, happening. It just happened. Like, oh my God, it, it's happening. Oh my God, it's over. Uh, my first reaction was, I was in a packed bar in, in Wicker Park. Uh, my first reaction was obviously enthusiasm, but then I like kind of covered my face. I was like, oh my God, I think I'm going to cry. Oh, like, So I ran out of the bar to like have a moment to myself and like called my dad, called my uncle, wow. called my aunt. Wow. It's like, hey, we did it. You know, like all the yeah. older generation. So. Yeah, that was my first reaction. I was like, holy shit, I think I'm going to cry. I got to run out of here. So, did you break any bottles on your way home? Did I break any bottles? No, I yeah. I broke some Chinese food up in my stomach. Afterwards. Okay, that, good for you. <laughs> you were a responsible yeah. Cubs fan. No. Look, there's a, some of these Cubs fans have a reputation of just, you know, smashing bottles and peeing on people's lawns. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you hear around here. But, man... Uh, so needless to say, the next week is going to be quite a fucking week for you. So, and, uh, and look, good luck. And you may, you may not hear him on the next show listener, but we'll get <laughs> no, someone you, to fill it. You won't hear me on the next show because we tentatively had that scheduled for Friday, October. Let's look at the date here. It's going to be game three. It's and that's game, game three. three in Chicago. Yeah. In the, Chicago. The, the first, first game World in Series Chicago. game in Chicago since 1945. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah, no, there's no way in hell you're making the show. We'll get someone to fill in. Also, since this is the Halloween-themed episode, and uh, we decided to add another segment at the end, the season seven premiere of The Walking Dead, very anticipated season premiere, just aired, and... Uh, Anthony, I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for the weekly show to record my thoughts. I figure we might as well roll no. it into this one, and it's a nice Halloween-themed episode. Yeah, so this is like a two-part episode. It's with Absolutely. Scott Larson. So you have Scott Larson as a guest, and then you have me as a guest talking we- about, <laughs> about Walking Dead, the premiere. So I'm glad Abs- to be a guest on my own show. Uh, thanks. I'm glad you could make it uh, for this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's get to uh, let's get the conversation with Scott Larson. I just want to ask you, Anthony, have you ever heard of Resurrection Mary? The cemetery? Or, well, there's a cemetery, but it's also like the most famous spirit in the city. Oh, no, I've never heard and of it. And I had not heard about this, but Scott fills us in. And, Ooh, I'm ready uh, to listen. Yeah, it's very spooky. He gives me goosebumps at one point. Let's get to it. The Jock and Ned Podcast. Scott Larson, thank you so much for joining us inside the Jock and Nerd studio. Oh, thanks for having me back. Welcome back. It's been a while since uh, I've had anyone in studio. Uh, as you notice, Anthony is not here. He doesn't even come in anymore. We think we do everything over the internet. Oh, do you? Yeah, but the reason he's not here with us tonight or today is uh, he's uh, very hungover from celebrating. The fact that the Chicago Cubs will be in the World Series for the first time in 71 years. Oh, shit. Uh, Scott, you're a Cubs fan? I'm a Northsider. You're a Northsider. So, like, everyone, you're born a Cubs fan, right? Sure. I mean, I'm look, I'm the nerd. I don't really give a shit about sports. But even I understand the historicness we're about to experience in Chicago. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I can remember 1989 and uh, certainly 2003. 89? How far did they get in 89? 
They're in the playoffs. Oh, it was shit. either 88 or 89. Okay. Uh, what did you do last night? Well, what was your uh, experience? All I know is, look, I was watching the game. The game ended. And up here, I instantly heard things blowing up. And I'm assuming, I'm hoping they were fireworks. Yeah, we were in Lakeview yesterday. So okay. we were at a, uh, a bar called Vaughn's. Yes. Over on Sheffield. Okay. And my wife and I got there at 7.05, and we stood in line for an hour to get in. Or we stood outside to get in. Wow. Wow. Even uh, before the game started. Okay. Well, the game actually started at 7.05, so we got there just as the game started, and then we hung out until, like, the middle of the third inning, I want to say. Yeah. When was it getting, like, really buzzy and exciting where you were like, oh, boy, this is going to be, this is it? You know what? I actually thought there was another game. Oh, so shit. <laughs> I thought that we were still like one more game away. You didn't know this. You didn't think it was the clinch game, yeah? Right. Yeah. Right. You know, we're standing in line outside, and I'm like, "Let's go! I don't want to be here. Come on! It's it's Saturday night. I can't think of anything I want to do less than stand outside and see half of a TV from from a from in a bar." Yeah. And wait, did you make it inside? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, we did. If we hadn't, I would have at one point. I would have been like, "This is done." I'm like this. Is, I'm what am I here. doing? Okay. So the game's about to end. They're making it to the World Series. What happens where you were? Oh, people went nuts. Yeah. I mean, people were really excited. It wasn't, you know, nothing blew up in the bar. Okay, good. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, but people were really happy. People were really excited. And I, it was, I want to say it's like a measured excitement. Yes. I mean, it was happiness, yes. definitely, yes. but it wasn't. Let's not blow our load like, all yeah, right let's, now. Yeah, let's not kill somebody over this, you know? I mean, you got your usual reports of, you know, people pissing in other people's yards everywhere and a couple mm-hmm. of bottles being thrown, but it seemed to be pretty tempered. I was watching some of the cops. You could hear their thing, and they're like, we've lost Anderson and Sheffield. Uh-huh. They just, like, let him go. They climbed the bed. Yeah, you can't just let them vent it, let them get it out, so. Well, you know, the thing is, they, the, the TV kept shooting back over to Wrigley Field. Yeah. And you could just see the mountain of people growing and growing and growing and growing. This is going to be crazy this next week and a half. I'll tell you what. This is uh, something people have been waiting a long time to see. So, Well, it's generations. Yes. It's like five yes, generations. Yes. Like, that's crazy. So, like, this, yeah. is, uh, this is history in the making. And it's kind of cool that I'm going to watch it from the safety of inside my padlock mm-hmm, department because mm-hmm. I don't want to be out there. Uh, but, Scott, how we know each other is also kind of a cool story. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to almost a year ago. October 2015, I find out Variety Comics, uh, one of Chicago's longest-running comic books just down it the street It was the oldest here. one the at oldest, that point. 41 years. Right. It's shutting down at the end of October 2015, and I was like, what? Oh, shit. And I kind of went over, recorded some audio. Episode 50 of the Jock and Nerd mm-hmm. podcast this is a little tribute to, uh, you know, recording their memories and thoughts to the people who work there and the fans. And that's how I found your blog. Right. I had written a blog. I used to go to Variety when I was a kid because I yeah. grew up in this neighborhood. Yep. And I went there, you know, probably from the time I was 11 to maybe 17-ish. And then I kind of sprinkled in a couple times before I moved out of the neighborhood. Yeah. And I had when I found out they were closing, I went over there to take a look. We, My wife and I had just moved back into the neighborhood after me being away for 20 years. So uh, walking around through the neighborhood – was you know it was a trip as it was, but then walking past the comic shop, it was like, oh, I should go in there one day. I should go in there one day. I found out they're closing. I'm yeah. like, okay, I have to go in. You now. have to go, yeah. So I I started going in there, and the um the owner that I had known when I had originally gone there had had passed away. Yes, Rick. Right, 
and it was run by two other guys. And so I went in there and I talked to them a little bit about my experiences being there. But the thing that I found was, you know, they were younger, they were happy to be there, and they made the place a real pleasant place. I actually don't know what happened to them. Uh, I follow them on Facebook. Mike Denler is always posting stuff. They right. seem to be doing – and Vin seems to be uh, you know, enjoying his life. I think he like left the country, didn't he? Yeah, I saw – I think he's been traveling. I saw a couple of Facebook yeah. posts. This neighborhood, for listener doesn't know, is uh, we are in Lincoln Square, north side of Chicago. And so you also recognize this thing behind me. Oh, sure. Is one of the panels from outside the store because one of the things I remembered is there was always comic book illustrations on the corner of the street. And I bought one of them right off the side of the building. Cause now, how much do they charge you for it? Uh, he gave me a good deal. It was like 150 I want to say. Oh, wow. Which for, for a little piece of history of the North oh, yeah. Side, I'm totally – and I love it as my background. Like it will always remind me of that. So after that show, you got in touch with us and you're like, hey, I used to go here. I have a comic mm-hmm. book. You're a comic book creator, a uh, book called Visitations, which we'll get into at the end. Uh, but then we had you come in in January. Right. And uh, we talked about just your love for Chicago and how you were – Using Chicago history in your comic book, Visitations. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want to tell the listener real quick what Visitations is about? Visitations is the history of Chicago as seen through the eyes of the residents of the city's oldest cemetery. Oh, spooky you already. Know, yeah, you know, the funniest thing about that was when I came in here, I hadn't really done a whole lot of promotion at that point. Right. And now I've been going to convention after convention after convention, so yeah. it's real easy for me to like spit this this. Clumsy sentence out of my mouth. You've worked on the pitch. You need your yeah, elevator pitch, and that's what the conventions will teach you. Like somebody's walking by, I have literally thirty seconds to hook them into. Maybe they like this book. I find I find different ways to bring people over to the table, and I don't see you as like the aggressive pitch man. I got to be honest. You know what the the thing <laughs> is the the thing about conventions, which I've seen, is the fact that there's. A million and one independent artists there, a million and one professional artists there, and everybody wants the customer's money. Sure. And with something like uh, Wizard World, we just did Wizard World Chicago okay. in August, I yeah. want to say. You know, I went to C2E2, and that was you know that was the first one, like, right out of the box. And then I've done a bunch of small library ones. The small library ones are really interesting because they're like the old conventions used to be. Yes. When I was growing up, there was the Chicago Comic-Con which turned into Wizard World later on. Yes. And uh, and the library conventions remind me of that a little bit at a little bit of a smaller scale. Um, I imagine it's more intimate. You have more time to actually, you know, talk to people. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, you know, Wizard World is charging people $60 Ugh. to get in. So at that point, what do you got left to spend right. on books? Right. And that, and that was the thing. Um, this year – you know, I was, I'm in Artist Alley, and and people were kind of complaining a little bit about the the setup and everything. And the thing with that show, I've been going since it was the Chicago Comic Con in 1987. Wow. It was when I first started going. Wow. I'm not quite sure how long it's been around, but since 1987, every year I've gone, it's been a different animal. Mm. And what I thought about this year was they were trying to figure out what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and they probably do that every year because every year is different. But I remember after Marvel and DC pulled out, there was a point where everybody, all the publishers started going to Wizard World. When C2E2 started in 2010, all the publishers pulled out. And so the next year, for that year, uh, for Wizard World, because there were no publishers like DC, Marvel, yeah, Valiant, I'm surprised they were able to continue. I didn't well, think it would last. I walked in and it was a bunch of Star Trek actors. Oh, that's how they pivoted. And huh? yeah, and it was really funny because 
Because I walk in and like Captain Cisco from Deep Space Nine is there, yeah. and I went over and he's like shaking my hand. And he's not letting it go. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I'm going through a back issue box, and I turn around and Data's looking at me. I'm like, don't look at me. That's kind of you know what? It was that, creepy. This, it was like. But I always remember that at Comic Cons, it's kind of the Comic Con staple go to. If you can't mm-hmm. get anyone, these Star Trek fuckers will oh, line yeah. up all from you have multiple shows. They're all popular. They're not mm-hmm. doing anything. They'll show up to all these. You will get somebody in the door. Oh yeah, yeah, and and so this year, you know, it was they had the Back to the Future people there, which was really cool. But they'd had them in like a separate room. I think they had Carrie Fisher there, and she was in a separate room. And they're really, it was the first year that I was behind the table. Yeah. So, so it was a whole different experience for me, for sure. But then the other thing is walking through the floor. I couldn't make heads or tails of what the floor was. I saw some comic books. I saw some clothing. I saw, you know, the it's Admiral a Theater. Bit of everything. What the Admiral the Theater? Admi- Hold on, oh, uh, listener. The Admiral Theater is on the north side of Chicago on Lawrence. It's a very weird location because it's in kind of like an ethnic residential community strip of Lawrence. But it is a alcohol free. Is it all nude uh, strip club? Yes. But you can't bring booze in. Right. Right? It's just like But juice. you can walk in drunk. But you can walk in shit-faced. Absolutely. Sure. But I always – and I would always drive by it and I'm like, this is weird. There is just a strip club in the middle of this neighborhood that has like – you know, there's like produce markets and clothing stores. Mm-hmm. And then there's Admiral Theater. So they were at Wizard World? Well, yeah. They had, they had a little booth and, and uh, there's a couple things about that. So uh, in 2010, when I was working on AC Comics Femforth, yeah. Len Straczynski had written a story about one of, this, one of the characters named Stormy Tempest. She, she escaped like the, from this maximum security prison, and she started working at a strip club in Las Vegas. And so he gives me the script, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, you know what? I could probably fake this, but I think I'm going to go over there, over to the Admiral, and talk to the people there and see what this is like. So I went in, and I had my sketchbook, and I'm sitting there. And people and the girls are coming up and they're like, oh, what are you doing? And I told them, I said, look, I'm working on this comic book. I'm trying to do research. And, you know, is there's a particular pole dance that oh. he mentions in here. Is oh. it real? And and they're like, they sit down. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and what you need to do is go to YouTube and go to this channel and I'll demonstrate it. This is how it works. And it's like really great. And then there are a couple of girls who were like telling me things they shouldn't have been telling me. And then there are <laughs> other girls who came over to debunk them because I think – People were worried that I was a cop or something. Whoa. And, um, and, and so it was really interesting. I got a lot of great information. The, the two pages of artwork that I did for – Did, with, they, model, for did they model for you? No, they didn't and they didn't need to. But they did have particular tattoos which ah. ended up in the book. Oh, cool. And, um, and it was little things like that. You know, A lot of them wear these, um, these, these wristbands and that's where they like put money and stuff. Yeah. But I didn't know that and I wouldn't sure. have known that yeah. had I not gone in there. And Little details. Going in there. Yeah, it just made a world of difference. Best research ever. Geek boner. Well, <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing was, you know, you, you have a bunch of they're, – they're basically teenage girls. Wow. And – you know, they're 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 over the age of eighteen, or they're supposed to be over the age of eighteen, or they're supposed to be over the age of twenty one. I don't I don't know what the, the limit is. But you know, I'm sitting there and I'm pushing forty and I'm I'm like, this is kinda gross. Yeah. I don't I can't really look at this. Yeah. This isn't really I don't think this is sexy at all. It's just, you know, a bunch of teenage girls running around in their underwear. Yeah. So um it's so all as living. far as yeah, as far as that stuff was concerned, it yeah. was just it was it was waste. So the Admiral Theater was at Wizard World. 
And I had always wanted to get them copies of the book. Okay. And so I go over and, you know, it's it's a guy dressed as the Joker, the Suicide Squad Joker with okay. like a fake teeth. Jared Leto Joker. And, uh, and then there are like a couple of girls there. And one of the girls, you know, I go over to talk to her and she's like, oh, have you been to the Admiral lately? And I'm like, no, that's not really my thing. <laughs> and she starts jumping up and down. She's like, oh, but you have to come. You have to come. I hold up my hand with the wedding ring on it and I'm like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> and she's like, oh, congratulations. And that was like the end of the that conversation. Like, Moving on, next. <laughs> right. But, um, but I'm like, listen, you know, I want to get copies of this book over to you guys. And she's like, well, you have to talk to, you know this guy and you know the guy dressed as a joker and the thing that was warped about that was he was a very nice guy okay he was very nice to me he yeah. was very nice to everyone who came up but all these like young kids were coming up and having their pictures taken with him <laughs> and it was like it was basically you know yeah. there's this guy who's, who's like a borderline pimp yeah at a comic book but he looks like the joker and he looks like the joker and all these like little oh, girls are taking their pictures with him and it's like there's something i mean it was all innocent it was all nice the and backgrounds sweet, must but it be was really like, interesting uh, when they the parents get home and look at the backgrounds of the yeah, photos like, it was just, wait a minute it was just a little creepy <laughs> but uh, but he was having fun they were having fun so there's nothing wrong with so that. look there's always been a thing with comic cons and i'm just gonna say it uh slutty dressed up girls like well, it's always a thing that those two go together a decade ago this show used to have porn stars showing yeah. up to it too oh yeah they used to have porn and, row absolutely yeah. yes i remember that so and and, and they're i think they're gone now yeah, there was always that weird crossover. Uh, okay, anyways, we've sidetracked to why you're actually here. Uh, going back to Variety Comic Books oh, a little right. bit, who uh, who bought the space now? Uh, it was a lady, a lady named Suzanne. She didn't buy the space. She was offered the space by the um, – The building? By the building. And, you know, unfortunately, the panels, the, the painted panels – that were outside because they took the ones like the one that you have in your your yeah. studio. They yeah. took those down and there was more underneath. Yes, there. there were ones that they couldn't be removed from the the facade. Well, yes and no. Okay. So the building decided you're getting windows whether you like it or not, and she wanted to keep the panels. Oh, that's what's going on. Yeah, okay. she really wanted to keep the panels, and as a matter of fact, she was looking to try to get people to do new panels for her. Ah, and she had an opening. And I walked in and I told her who I was and she had read the blog uh, thing as well. And so she wanted me to do like the first of the panels. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. And then I, I start getting these these uh, Facebook messages from her. They're tearing out the windows. I can't stop them. Oh, crap. And so um, so they still ha- – she still has the panels. They're just They're inside. inside. Mm. And it wasn't just the panels that were like – that were done in like – Right before these new ones were done. Yeah. It wasn't just the last ones that Rick did before he passed away. There were more underneath Yes, that. that's awesome. So I think there were five layers originally. There wow. The ones from the 70s that yeah. I remember. Yes. That there was a picture of me with yes. as a little kid next With the to. old school like Batman uh, and Robin and just those classic old right. Dick Sprang drawings. Well, it was – no, 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 no. Before oh, that, there was – was another layer. There was – yeah, there was one Spider-Man and Captain America and these were done in the 1970s. The, oh, like the Kirby style. It was like the yeah. Ditko and Kirby style drawings. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. And then in like around 1984, Rick had put new ones up. And it was uh, – there was Superman and Spider-Man and Iron Man and maybe Wolverine or something like yeah. that. And then there was another layer yeah. that he put up and then another one yeah. and then he died and then the layers – 
that were the last ones were up there. So she didn't find the originals from the 70s, but she found a bunch of stuff going back. Dude, how cool is that? Layers was, of yeah. artwork. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty, it's, it's pretty a, interesting. It's, it's geek history. So I got to tell you, I really kind of appreciate it. I've seen Facebook photos from Eskina of these events mm-hmm. they've put on. I really appreciate that she is kind of loving the space and trying to, to keep it lively and keep an energy in there. Yeah, she, you know, I, I think that she told me that she had gone into the store during their goodbye party or okay. whatever it was on Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. And and I had gone in there yes. as well. I think I bought the last thing sold there. Oh wow, if, cool! If I missed I, the hol- the last day. Yeah, you know what? I we no, I was there. That's too. when I bought it. I was there during oh, the day. Oh, and I had the party in the evening. But the last day I went and bought this. Yeah, yeah, we showed up after they closed. Okay, yeah, that's when the party was. It was like right. an after party, right? And he had, um, you know, they had gotten like sandwiches from. Uh, I think they had like Jimmy John's sandwiches yeah, for yeah. people or, yeah. uh, or Pop Belly, I think sure. it was, and, and a couple other things. It was nice. You know, it was their way of saying goodbye to, to everybody Absolutely. in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, uh, and then the store sat, you know, empty for a while. So, yeah, she, so Susanna's has come in and she's really trying to work the space and she's using it kind of as an event space, but she wants to sell old books. And, you know, it's kind of free-forming. She, it, it's not really set in stone. I find that interesting, too, because I'm not sure. So on their website, it says Esquina, a place to explore your creative powers. And there's Superpowers. Li- uh, creative superpowers. And I love that. I love that line, a place to explore your creative superpowers. And then there's a list of things like art openings, poetry readings, shared stories, workshops travel talks music listening room discussion and galleries it's almost like a performance space a community space mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a space for independent artists to maybe have stuff in there like, it's really cool there's music like i've mm-hmm. seen a lot so you will be there yes this saturday evening yes uh the on the we- halloween weekend Mm-hmm. And what is your presentation about? Um, well, I'm going there. It's basically for the first anniversary of Variety's closing. Oh, wow. Cool. And what I'm doing is I'm doing the history of, of Variety for sure, um, but kind of like the the history of Chicago comic book shops in Chicago. That's awesome. History of comic book shops in Chicago. Yes. And I'm also doing Chicago ghost stories. Now, what I, what I plan on doing this week and – and I, I hope I'll be able to do so, is there was a store over on Devon Avenue for a long time. It was actually the first store Oh, boy, in I Chicago, think I know what store you're Larry's talking. Comic. Yeah. Oh, yes, Wave uh, East. It was right over yes. by Loyola. Yes. And I he went Larry's. out of business around 2001, 2002. And, and Larry's was a really interesting place because what Larry's was – was he had like almost everything and he had everything super cheap and you could go in there and it was like it was a, it looked like a bomb explosion. I remember all I remember is there that was the place there was literally just stacks of loose comics yeah. on the floor. No bags, no boards, nope. just stacks of them that would easily you could knock over if you're working. Which, which I did. <laughs> but the thing with that was Larry was incredible because you could say, Oh, do you have a copy of blah blah blah? And he would like reach his hand into He's the knew stack where it was. and pull it out without knocking anything. Yeah, over yeah. or anything it was really really he impressive. was the yeah he was the first guy that everybody talks about he's the first he was the first guy in chicago he helped start the chicago comic-con oh wow and wow. it was him and like three other guys so i'm going to be talking to him this week because oh, i'm i'm really interested in a couple of things and the first was what made him open the store in the first place yeah and i'm also wondering if it was the first store in the country of that nature 
Oh, um, wow, possibly then, yeah. And I also want to find out what year he started that convention because I know San Diego had been around in the mid-70s. And that was also just like in somebody's basement and a bunch of like, right. you know, really uh, just a couple of really small, intimate back issue vendors. Right, and the thing that I that I heard about San Diego when it started, and you probably know this because you've got all the Star Wars movies up here, <laughs> That was how they spread the word about Star Wars. Oh. And they basically took all this stuff to the San Diego Comic Convention, which was like two tables. Right. And told people, hey, this is coming, this is coming, because 20th Century Fox didn't want to promote it because they thought it was a piece of crap and it was just going to fail. Man, Lucas started that shit too, and as well mm-hmm. as merchandising and toys and like just setting the bar for blockbuster summer films and, and special effects. Like, wow, you don't forget how much Star Wars actually... Oh my God! It was like things. It, it did, and I really, you know, we talked about this the last time. I want to see something new too. Well, that's why I'm know? excited for Rogue One. This finally, to me, is like the most. It's like different. It's a different it's look at the Star Wars Star universe. Wars. But it's not the same. Like, I mean, I like Force Awakens, but let's be honest, it was like I saw it already, and it was called yeah. Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back: Return of the Jedi. Now, show me a new story mm-hmm. from a slightly askew view of this universe with a different sheen. Not your Star Wars. Sheen per se, but you have kind of like a war battle aspect with this movie with Gareth Edwards. I don't know. I think Rogue One's going to be exciting. And then the fact that Danny Glover just got cast as Lando Calrissian. Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome, too. Uh, but look, so you're going to do ghost stories. That's why I wanted you to come in. It's, yes. It's, it's a crisp uh, October day. Mm-hmm. Halloween is right around the corner. I need you to give me some goose bumpies. I don't know if I can do that, oh, but I on. can tell you some Chicago ghost stories. All right. Now, let's, where should we start? Let's get Well, into you it. know what? I've been giving presentations all over the place. Excellent. And, and it's kind of funny because I'm doing another podcast tomorrow, and I know that I have to make it diff- the stories different from what I'm telling you. Well, yeah, and, and you don't want to make it boring for yourself well, so you repeating know, the same shit over again. Oh, that, actually, that makes it easier for me. But I've listened to uh, different podcasts where John Romita Jr. will talk yeah. about something. And yeah. It's like the same story over yes. and over yes. and over yes. and over. Yes. All right, so you put some thought into this. I like that you're bringing special, exclusive content. Well, I didn't bit. say I was going to bring exclusive content, but I, <laughs> I'm it. thinking about it. Okay. Well, I'll, let me start start like this. Two weeks ago, I went to the Chicago Ghost Conference, which was held at the Willowbrook Ballroom. I didn't even know there was a ghost conference. They, not only was there a ghost conference, most of the people who were there were ghost hunters. Cool. Yeah, we had a paranormal investigator on. Oh, uh, who'd you have? This guy, he has a show called Dead X Radio. His name is Jeff Hillier. Okay. And him and his buddies are, they have they, they go around and they investigate. They kind of have a show like ours where they're just hanging out and mm-hmm. geeking out about what they're passionate about. And what they're passionate about is paranormal investigations mm-hmm. and the machines and the, the devices and just the whole community. It was fascinating. I love it. It's really interesting. You know, I, I walked in. I had um, the famous Chicago ghost hunter who's written a whole bunch of books is a lady named Ursula Biowski. And she's she's almost like famous as far as this stuff is concerned. If you do a uh, Google search, you'll find her right away. And I had sent her a copy of Visitations Number 1 around um, around March, and she, she shot me an email back. She's like, oh, this is amazing. You know, I, I wanted to do something like this, blah, 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 blah. Can I get back to you? And I'm like, yeah. You know, it's around Easter. I got things I'm doing right now. Can I get back to you? Sure. And I never heard anything back. And a few weeks ago, I thought, well, you know what? I would really like to get in contact with her because I don't know – if this is something that, you know, people she knows might like or I could get some some good background, you know, kind yeah. of like I did with the Admiral. Yeah. And 
And so I contacted her again, and she's like, oh, I don't really remember the book. And I'm like, let me say it to you again. <laughs> and, and she looked at it, and she's like, this is great. Do you, are, do you have copies of this to sell? And I'm like, yeah. And she said, well, we've got this ghost convention going on. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. It, it's out over by um, – over, over on Archer Avenue – Oh. Where where Resurrection Cemetery is? Okay, and south it's like side? south south yeah. south yeah. side. It's like yeah. past south side. Wow. It's, it's like it's like suburbs, really. Yeah. And in fact, I had to get off the train at Lake Forest and take an Uber to the. Oh, because the, the train thing. didn't go all the way and, there. No, the train didn't that go all the way there. Far south in yeah. uh, Cook County, there, the Chicagoland area. So you know, I, I go into this thing. I'm not quite sure what how this is going to work or what it's all about or anything like that. And the Will Book. Brook Ballroom is a really interesting place because they, it's it's very old, and it's been around for years and years and years and years and years, and they have had all kinds of um, all kinds of different dances and stuff there. They have jazz night, they have this, they have that, and it's just been around forever. And so I go in there, and they had like tables for vendors that were around the ballroom itself, okay. or the the dance floor. Right, and there were people who gave presentations at the dance floor. Okay, so the vendors were, were really interesting. There was a lady there who had collected a number of different funeral photographs from like the Victorian era. Oh. So there's like these pictures of these uh, deceased babies dressed in Victorian outfits and stuff like that. It was <laughs> really, really, really interesting. Oh, well, that's what you expect at a ghost conference, I suppose. Yeah. And then there were, um, there were a, a few ghost hunters who were, uh, who were selling books. One of them did, did this book called Ghosts of Maryland. And she's really interesting. She's, she lives here in Chicago. Her name's Amelia Cotter. And she's going to write a um, a little afterwards for Visitations Number Two. Oh, nice! And she's going to talk because she's she's originally from Maryland, but she's living in Chicago and she does all this ghost tour stuff and and things of that nature. She's just just going to do the history of one of the places that that's going to be in Visitations. Number okay, two. cool. And then there was another guy named Scott Marcus, and he and he's out in L.A. He started in Chicago, and he's done a lot of like movie star ghosts. And that's re- and his stuff is really really interesting as well. And so there's like all this background I'm gathering. Although I I thought I was going to get background on ghost stories, which I didn't, but I got background on ghost hunters and ah, how they work, yeah, and the things they do. And you know, and then they're showing like little films where they're out there and they're asking questions, and there's like nothing, and then they're they're recording and mm-hmm. they're listening later yep. and later and yep. over and over and over, and then you hear some voice in there, and it, it was really interesting. Well, that's what I wanted to know with the Jeff Hillier is like, where is the evidence? What you know? What do you need to record? Is it in audio? Is it in electromagnetic fields? Is it in uh, infrared? Uh, light spectrum. And what did he say? He said a little bit of all of those. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely a little bit of all of those. There's EVPs and there's, you know, uh, infrared cold. You'll see cold things and uh, and just uh, the location of places and stuff. So and there's tons of Chicago haunted Chicago books. Mm-hmm. I know it's a very there's tours. It's very mm-hmm. popular. Like it's a great market most for you those, to get into also with this. Yeah. Most of those are from Ursula Bialski too. Oh okay. She's done all of those books. She's written she's written probably about ninety percent of those books. Right on. And, and she's doing a tour. So has well. this uh, uh, helped you craft your presentation as you've been going along? Well, you know what? Uh, again, I think that I the the ghost stories that I have found, I've found on my own. Cool. Um also, like nobody else but, has really reported on these specific. No, she. The information is out there. The information is definitely on the internet, and it's out there. And she's involved in almost all of them. However, 
it's been up to me to go and find stuff. So one one of the things with Chicago is Chicago, you know, there, there's a lot of history here. And there is a lot of history, as we had talked about the last time I was here with the Chicago Fire and, and just how the city was built and a lot of the gangster stuff. And the thing that I find interesting is a lot of the ghost stories kind of like fall within that yeah, range yeah. as well. And one of the stories that I thought was really interesting that I never knew about was – the uh, Chicago Water Tower, which yeah. is one of the only buildings that survived the Chicago Fire, it you know it's been there for not the shopping years. mall people, the one across the street from no, the shopping but, mall, but the shopping mall as well. Oh, actually. really? Yeah, and, and and I'll talk about that in a second. So the the water tower, the legend is that when the fire was going through the city, the attendant for the water tower was like watching it, and he realized that oh my god, I'm going to get killed because yeah. I'm here, yeah. I can't leave. And so he went up to the rafters or the the high tower of the water tower and he hung himself. Oh, crap. And apparently even now people can see his body hanging there. Oh, I never looked at the very top of the water. It's the only stone building. It was made out of stone and like everything else surrounding it. Right. Which I don't know why they built everything out of wood. I guess it was just cheaper and easier. Yeah, it was. Um, but, but, wow, I didn't know that. So, That's so creepy. there are police who will see a, a body hanging there, and they'll go running in. Can you go up in there? Because I know they give well, tours on the they inside. Do. Yeah, um, somebody can. Wow, That's I've, a good I've one. never I've never been in there yeah. at all. You know, we were talking about the levee the last time yes. I was here. The thing that's really interesting about that is right where the Wrigley Building is and the Tribune Tower and all of that. That used to be. Um, a, a red light district as well called the Sands. Okay. And this was probably in the early to mid 1800s. Okay. And it was the horrible, horrible place. I mean, it was 10 times worse than what the levee was. I'm not talking necessarily about the uh, sexual encounters, but it was just, it, it was a bad, bad, bad place. And the city finally went in and just burnt the whole thing down. Damn. And, and what, and what happened was all the, all the thieves and criminals and prostitutes just like spread out throughout the mm-hmm. rest of downtown. But but that area was that. And then right where the Water Tower shopping mall is and right where the Drake Hotel is yeah. and all of that, that was a cemetery. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. My dad used to work at the Drake. I actually worked as a busboy at the Drake one summer after high school. Yeah. Where was that in the Drake? Uh, it was the Oak Terrace restaurant that okay. was that when you're driving up lakeshore drive uh-huh. you see those windows right there it was right in that restaurant great view for dining of course uh but my dad uh right he was like room service manager or catering manager of the drake for did he ever say anything in the drake i don't think so i do i should have asked him no he uh he i don't think he did it is it's cavernous and the the way the kitchens connect mm-hmm. inside to everywhere is crazy like you can get and there's a bunch of like hallways and i remember being in the service areas mm-hmm. um i never saw anything but i could probably see it being haunted you got any drake well, stories yeah i do actually Ooh. there are two there are two infamous ghosts in the drake in the drake hotel um, the first one was, is the woman in red, and she haunts the eighth floor. Okay. And what happened was on the day that the Drake Hotel opened, there was like some big party, and this woman was there with her boyfriend, and then she saw him with another woman. And so she was so despondent, she threw herself out the window and killed herself. Oh. And now there's no news reports of this. Yeah. There's nothing in the newspapers, but they think that one of the reasons why that is is because it was – brand new and they were like using their influence to not tell anybody that this had happened but she apparently is still in the hotel oh wow and she walks up and down through the eighth floor whoa 
And then on the tenth floor, there is a woman in black. Okay. And, and this story is a, is a little screwier. What happened was, in 1944, somebody who was staying there walked into their room, and uh, it was this lady and her daughter. And they walked into her, their room, and there was this woman who was dressed in black who was robbing the room. Okay. And she had a gun, and she shot the uh, the woman's mom in the head, and uh, and it took her a couple of days to die, but she she actually died. Wow. And. And the person who had done the shooting, who had done the robbery, escaped. Nobody found out who that was. But the robber actually haunts the 10th floor of the Drake. Huh. The so you, ro- wow. So you have the woman in red and the woman in black. And the robber is not the lady who died. That's in, I mean, it's no. not the lady who died that's haunting. It's the right. actual assailant. Yeah. That's interesting. It is. I wonder if – would that mean that the, the assailant died in the hotel possibly? I don't know. Well, the hotel was built in 1920, so you got uh, a lot of uh, years of uh, stuff to happen. Oh, I like those two. So people have seen both of these uh, women. Oh, spooky. And um, and then you start to go – you start to go north from there, yeah. and you have Lincoln Park, which yeah. used to be a uh, cemetery as well. Right. Well, and after – like a lot of it was cemetery, right, before the Chicago fire. Right. And then they just kind of had to cover everything up or move them. Right. Well, what what – what happened was, uh, yeah, it was during the fire, and and I actually think that some of it, some of this moving started beforehand. I have a little bit of uh, my recollection of this. Uh, well, I don't recall it at all personally, huh. but but some of the story about this is a little mixed up in my mind. I haven't gotten it completely straight yet. I know there's a mausoleum there, yeah, for sure, and it was a cemetery, and the city supposedly moved all the bodies over to like Graceland and Rose Hill and and those cemeteries but every once in a while when when somebody's excavating the thing like yeah. a, a skeleton will pop up oh, and, crap. and and so there there have been ghosts that have been seen there i don't have anything specific for that and actually that's uh one of the that's the spot that um that Amelia is going to be writing about so i'm kind of like oh, staying sweet. away yeah. from the stories yeah. there yeah. but then you go north of that and you go to over to Clark Street and we have um you know the the Al Capone era was very big here in the city yeah. and it's basically what the city is still known for i mean you would think that after all this time especially with somebody being president who came from chicago that would kind of overshadow it, but Al Capone is still a huge anywhere in the world. You ask people uh, if I say Chicago, what what's the first thing you think of? They say Michael Jordan, Al Capone, mm-hmm. pretty much, or like gangsters and machine guns. Like mm-hmm. I've been to Saudi Arabia and met people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Al Capone." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that's uh, wow." You still think of that, huh? Great. <laughs> well, it's what we what we're known for. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because the city is embarrassed of it. They have been embarrassed of it. But what they really should do is turn it into like a whole oh amusement park or like a, a tourist attraction. Well, I think part of that comes from the fact that organized crime is still around in the city. Well, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And you know they um, they don't want to give up their secrets. <laughs> well, they don't want to give up their secrets, but their secrets are out there. But after after the whole Capone thing, the the organized crime families went underground, which is what they wanted all along. Yeah. He was like publicity seeking and and couldn't stay out of the headlines. 
so they've still been around after all of these years. I think that there was there was a thing in 2007. It was the Family Secrets case, I believe it was called, and it kind of it, it broke the mob's back because somebody informed on them, mm. and, and there was a lot there. But they're still there. Yeah, oh, yeah. they are still there. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I think uh, Mayor Emanuel like made a deal with one of the garbage unions for O'Hare that was that was like mob back so they're not going anywhere they're they're there yeah kind of have to work with them a little bit at this point right well at one point in the 70s when jane byrne was mayor they had walked into her office and said you're gonna do this otherwise <laughs> we're gonna have a, a garbage strike and you're not gonna get oh, anything done waste management the yeah. old waste management racket all right so what are uh, some of your uh, stories regarding the mob well well you've heard of the same valentine's name of course why but why uh, maybe the listener hasn't Okay, well, uh, give us a little backstory. Back in 19, in the 1920s, it, it's actually a really long story that involves basically a gang war between the north and the south side of Chicago, and 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 the gangsters then aren't like the gangsters now. You know, they're two different different things. The gangsters back then walked around in suits and fedoras and had had Tommy guns, uh, and the gangsters now are just kind of like thuggy kind of. People. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Al Capone was the head of the South Side Gang, and Bugs Moran was the head of the North Side Gang. North Side Gang was all Irish. The South Siders were were Italian, and it's actually where a lot of the rivalry between the Cubs and the White Sox comes. I was from. just gonna say, was it, it a gang between really White Sox? Because yeah. I heard recently that that rivalry was just like White Sox fans were just jealous that the Cubs got everything and everyone loved them, and even they lost. There was more to that. Okay, go on. Oh yeah, this no, awesome. it's just it, it just sprang from the whole like North Side Gang versus the South. Wow. Side. Okay. You know, Capone and Moran didn't start out as the uh, as the heads of these of these two different uh, gangs, but they ended up there anyway. Yeah. And Capone had decided he had had enough of of Bugs Moran. He got he got information that Bugs Moran was going to be in a certain Chicago garage on Valentine's Day. So so he sent people into the garage dressed as policemen. And all the neighbors saw these policemen enter this garage where Bugs Moran was with his gang. And then they heard a bunch of machine gun fire, and then they saw the policemen march out with a bunch of uh, gangsters with their hands up. And then the, the people got into the police car, and they drove away. And there was this barking dog there. And when the police actually went in there, and the the um, the first cop who was, who was on duty then actually lived in this neighborhood. Oh, wow. He lived over on, uh, over on Winnemac by, by, uh, by Lincoln Avenue. He showed up there, and then, they, and then they found out that they found all these bodies. And what had happened was the Capone gangsters walked in dressed as police officers. They lined everybody up against the wall. They brought in another gang with, with Tommy guns. The gang with the Tommy guns shot everybody against the wall. Jeez. And then, uh, and then everybody got went back out and drove away. Ex- straight up execution. Yeah, absolutely. And this was so. Uh, this was uh, February fourteenth, nineteen twenty nine. Right, and at, it's infamous at twenty one twenty two North Clark Street right. location. Yes, right. And the building stayed there for years and years, and then it was torn down. It was, the thing with Chicago is once. The city becomes embarrassed about a place. Yeah, they will just tear it down. Sure, it's like every every building in the levee is gone. Right, you don't want to remember any of that. No, no, they yeah. just kind of like tried to wipe it away. And the building across the street from Holy Name Cathedral is gone too. There was uh, there were a bunch of bullet holes in that 
building, which is a whole different story. And actually, if you look at Holy Name Cathedral, the bullet holes are there as They're well. They're still there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, they – you can't really get yeah, rid of them. Yeah. Could fill them in, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of tough, and it, yeah. it's hard. You, you got to look for them, but they're there for sure. That's cool. And uh, and they they tore the building down, and then somebody had compiled the wall that the guys had stood stood against, and they they like rebuilt it in a bathroom or something like that. And then the the bricks kind of went out to a bunch of different people. Now the thing with the bricks is. The bricks supposedly are all cursed. So people who own these bricks uh, end up like dying or getting divorced oh, or having snap. all kind of horrible money problems. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Or, but, um, but, but the spot itself – which is just like a grassy field now, yeah, now right? It's With just trees. A, yeah, now it's just a, a grassy fence, field. I know. Right, but the building that was there next door is still there. Oh, the and same the, building. Oh, yeah, the same building Ooh. is still the, – the same buildings are still there. It's just an empty lot now. Okay, so what happens at this empty lot? Uh, people walk by it and they can hear the sound of machine gun fire Holy and people shit. screaming. Wow. And um, but, th- but then the, uh, the flip side of that is according to a lot of stories, one of the victims of St. Valentine's Day Massacre started, ha- started haunting Al Capone. Like from that moment on. Wow, up until instantly. The point, wow. Up until the point Capone died and – Actually, I posted that on my Facebook page, and somebody had, was like, "Oh, wasn't he su- suffering some, from syphilis?" Which he was. Yeah, and uh, and it ate away at his mind. But I guess one of his bodyguards saw this thing too. Holy crap! So there's a corroborated uh, yeah. story. Yeah, but Jeez. the funny, but but the flip side of that is uh, Capone had a niece who has very recently written a book. And the book was like My Uncle Al Capone or something like that. And she claims in there that he was not in charge of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And then there was a um, a book called Get Capone by Jonathan Eag, I want to say yeah. is, is the way you say his name. And and he also claimed in there that Capone was not in charge of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And so the question is, if he was not, why was he haunted by this ghost? Mm, that's and, true. That's a good point. Well, one of the paranormal researchers at the uh, Chicago Ghost Conference it had, uh, I guess, interviewed these ghosts who uh, – or this particular ghost who had been haunting Capone. And the answer that came back when he asked that was, I didn't know that at the time, that he wasn't responsible. Oh. Meaning uh, – Ghosts can make mistakes too. Oh. If you choose to believe that. So it's possible the ghost just thinks he's responsible. And then realized he wasn't and stopped after he died. Oh, shit. I mean, it is also possible that one of his, like, captains would have just went ahead and did this and not told Al Capone. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, he's probably told not to do this and went ahead and did it anyways. Right. But indirectly, you know, it, it is kind of Capone. And, and, you know, that's not the only death on his hands by any means. Oh, no, so. absolutely not. There were he was, he was a murderer. It's like if the ghost sees this energy there. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's I creepy. Guess. Yeah, that's creepy. Uh, well, that's cool. All right, what else you got? Where else can we go from there? <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the things that, that I've done with visitations is a lot of the characters and visitations are based on different monuments in different cemeteries. In the cemeteries, yes. Right. And um, – you know, I started with Graceland, and there are some from Rose Hill, and um, and, and so you know, one of the things that I found with 
with the book and the people who really like the book is I have a bunch of morticians that like the book <laughs> and I have the ghost hunters who like the book. So, you know, I guess that's my audience. <laughs> yeah, is, at least you know your audience. It's yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. Know. It's yeah. interesting. It's, yeah. it's really interesting. There are people who I wouldn't necessarily think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you go over to Graceland Cemetery and, the, you know, clearly that place has a lot of different stories because all the founding fathers of the city are buried there. And one of the characters that uh, – or one of the, the phantoms that I based uh, my character on – there was there there were two you know one of them was um, the Eternal Silence statue, which which looks like the Spectre from DC Comics. Okay, right, yeah. And the 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 story with that is that if you look into his face, you see a vision of your own death. I don't know. I wasn't brave. Have you looked at his face? You no. didn't look. You uh, no. I'm just gonna look away. No, but at his feet. People throw like coins and stuff, yeah. And so it's kind of like he's the fairy man, you know. Do you know that that story? No. So in in the ancient the ancient Greeks believed that once you die, oh, the guy who wrote, drove the boat across right. the river Styx to Hades, yes, right. yes, yes. Look, I can't get myself to look in the mirror and say Candyman five times. I okay, will, I refuse to do that. Okay, just in case uh, the dude shows up because he's scary. Mm-hmm. So I get it. <laughs> yeah, so so you know that's really interesting. I, I I think that people throwing money down at the feet. Yeah, and one the one of the interesting things about that also is yesterday I had to go over to the Loyola neighborhood for something, and I decided I was going to walk, and so I decided to cut through Rose Hill Cemetery, no. which is um right over here. Yeah, and I grew up right by Rose Hill Cemetery. Yeah, me too. I've seen it my whole life, and it you know it's an interesting place. I thought I cut through. And they've got um, this little girl statue. I, I forget what, what the, the girl's name is. Uh, it's like Lillian Fellows or something like that. And she's encased in like this glass thing. And I, I, I saw her from afar and I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to go over and, and take a look. And I get there and, and this glass case has a bunch of flowers all over it. And somebody had taken dollar bills and stuffed them through this what? little vent. Huh. So there's like all this money wow. at her feet. Wow. And it was just it was it was really intense. It was it was it, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, well why would uh what is that for? I guess it's for good luck. Huh. And that particular statue is also supposed to be haunted. It, there is a smell of roses that are that surround it, even during the winter. And there's no plants anywhere. And there's no plants anywhere, right? Okay, right. But um, but Graceland has a little girl statue as well, and that one is Inez Clark, and she, it was this girl who died when she was seven years old. And uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, "That's super creepy." And I, I, she's actually the phantom that. That my group will be dealing with in uh, issue three of visit- visitations. Cool, and, and she's really, really interested. The, the sculpture itself is really interesting. It's kind of creepy, but she apparently disappears from her case all the time, especially during rainstorms. But the, the statue is just gone. The statue is gone. <laughs> People have seen a little girl frolic- frolicking around oh, the cemetery in, yeah. uh, in, Victor- in a Victorian outfit. 
Oh boy. And it's um you know, it, it's it's really interesting. I mean, you take a look at the statue and it's like, how could this not be haunted? You know, it's just it's just one of those things where you see it and it's just like, okay, that's super creepy. So I need to set up one of them cameras there and just record a week and see what happens. Well, you know, the interesting thing was when I was at the ghost conference, someone came up and I was, you know, I'm showing them the book and they're looking at and they said that they were friends with the security guard who went to the case and found it empty. Oh, jeez. So, you know, firsthand Dude, stuff if like I was that, that security guard, I'd be like, nope, I'm out of here. I quit. I'm going to work at McDonald's. That's cool. See you later. Well, you know, there is somebody over at Rose Hill who did that, who quit. Because, because of uh, haunting. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, this, was, this was actually in like 1995. There was a, there was a uh, groundskeeper who was there and he saw this woman over by the gate. It was after closing hours. And when he approached her, she like disappeared. And so he like freaked out and I, and I, I think he quit. If he didn't, there was somebody who did, but, um, because I don't want to be like telling the story in here and something you're like, no, that's not what happened. Um, but there, there is someone who could, but he went into the main office and he complained a lot and he's like, Hey, this happened. And I think, I think he did quit. But the thing was, they got a phone call from somebody that day, and it was this lady who said her aunt visited her in a dream, was very upset because she was not properly buried. She didn't have a a grave uh, headstone. Oh, shit. And so once she ordered the headstone, it was put in the place right where the guard had seen the ghost. Oh, wow. That was her grandmother. Oh, yeah. How do you explain that stuff? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't even try. Have, what else have you found in the cemetery? Have you seen anything? I've seen any? nothing. Really? Okay. It's um, I, the, the closest I've ever gotten to uh, things happening is right outside Rose Hill. I used to, um, when I lived over by Loyola, I would jog from Loyola over, over to my old house and circle around and go back. And so I'd, I'd always go, go down Ravenswood by Rose Hill and kind of jog down yeah. that street. And there were times I would fall, same place every single time. Huh? And but that happened a bunch of times. And there was no like uh, misplaced piece of sidewalk or well, there, uneven. There is some misplaced sidewalk there. Yeah, and, and that's the truth. There just is. Yeah. You know, it's cracked. It's yeah. it's. But but you know, going going to and fro, it, it seemed a little strange. But then I was running over there, trying to avoid the sidewalk. Yeah, and a bee flew in my eye. <laughs> I'm serious. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm what? blind now. Oh, no. And then there was once where this, like, little kid came running up to me, like, with his fist clenched, and he started, like, swinging at me. So, uh, But this is all in the same In the spots. same street. In the same uh, – Same kind like, of area. It's like a two-block area or mm, something, something like that. Something weird's going on there. Yeah, I just I, – I thought so. And the – um. There's a restaurant there called the Fireside yes. that's supposedly uh, yeah. haunted. Oh, it is? I used oh, yeah. to go there all the time. They have a great Bloody Mary bar on Sundays. Fun place, huh? That's probably been there for a while. Well, it's right across the street from that cemetery. That's true, yeah, and the the tracks and stuff. All right, what's one of the more convincing stories that you've heard uh, of all the hauntings, Chicago's haunting history? Where you- well, you know, one of the things that, um, and, and I tell this story to everybody who who foolishly comes up to my table <laughs> when I, when I'm at a convention. You know, I usually start with I start with, oh, hey, you know, let me tell you about Chicago, blah blah blah. Have you ever heard of Graceland Cemetery? Yeah. I was at C two E two, and there was a crew person who was there, 
And she's walking by the table, and I, and she kind of like lingers and looks. I'm like, hey, have you ever heard of Graceland Cemetery? She goes, yeah, I used to go in there all the time. Well, I used to break in there with all my with my friends all the time and get drunk. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. How do you get in there? Because Graceland is surrounded by a gigantic stone wall. And then she's like, oh, it's real easy, blah, 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 blah. And I said to her, did you ever see anything when you were in there? And she said, nah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you ever see anything when you were in there? And she said, well, we were drunk. Mm. And I said, well, what did you see? And she said, oh, we saw a guy in an old newsboy cap. And I'm like, all right. I said, did your friends see this thing? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, alcohol doesn't really work that way. I said, <laughs> have you ever heard of Rose Hill Cemetery? And she goes, oh, yeah. I used to break in there all the time and get drunk too. And the thing with Rose Hill is it's ridiculously easy to break into. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean it's, it's easier now than it ever was. Wow. It was always easy. So I don't mind broadcasting this because I really want them to change it. It's yeah, yeah. Re- How do you re- get in? Let me know. How do you get oh, in? Well, it's real easy. Where's the spot? So there is uh, Belmoral. Right. Which is, which is a, uh, a diagonal street. And the, the cemetery used to basically go to Berwyn Avenue and Belmoral. But the, they gave the city like took part of it back or something like that. I guess there was like some kind of lease on it. So the cemetery has given up spots, given away parts of their cemetery back to the city. Okay. And so it, it ends at a different place now. And there was like this little park that's like useless and stupid. And, and so you have this gigantic stone wall and then you have this fence that's maybe six foot high. Well, that's, that's, that's more like three feet high. Maybe it's like three feet high. Yeah, it's not as tall as I am. Yeah. So it's like maybe four. Five, four to five. Okay. And it's and and right in between there, in between the stone wall and this ridiculous fence that a, that that a four year old child could jump, there's a spot that's about this it's wide. There's a gap. <laughs> there's a gap. And as a matter of fact, yesterday when I was um, when I cut through the cemetery, I like crawled through the gap yeah, i mean yeah. it, i didn't crawl because i was standing but mm. i was able to shimmy you, my yeah, body you into through, it. it's, uh, you could slip right through there yeah so it's open 24 hours a day and in fact last year there was a clown that that uh there, those that clowns are still terrorizing yeah, yeah. If, well you know there's someone dressed up as batman now who's like who's fighting stopping the clowns, clowns yes. which i think is great <laughs> yeah it's it's uh, Listen, clearly we've won well, those clowns are going to get stabbed and shot if they don't fucking cut their shit out because we ain't nobody's playing with scary clowns <laughs> it's it's really i i don't know what to say about it They're asking for a stabbing that's all or at uh, least a punch to the face well you know that there's a clown i would cemetery. punch what there is a clown cemetery. I guess it's here in Illinois, and there was like the circus train crash in like the early 1900s. Oh no! And so there is like so all the clowns that died are like buried in the cemetery, <laughs> and there there's like these headstones, and there's like Zippy and all kinds of other names. Wow, that is bizarre. I bet there's some clown hauntings going. Oh, on there's there. got to be clown it's cemetery. Absolute. All right, wow, that's a good one. So, um, so you can sneak into Rose Hill, no problem. Oh, yeah. No go problem. check it out. Say hi to some of these spirits. Yeah, no. You, you Go ahead and break in and then go over to the main offense and say, hey, I just walked in. Yeah, yeah. It's two in the morning. Yeah. And, and I hate I hate to see that open because, you know, my, my great-grandfather is buried there. Mm-hmm. It was someplace that I knew growing up. And it's just – it's it's ridiculousness. I, I mean, if you're going to do that, just get rid of the wall. But um, or just put a thing up. It wouldn't take much. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so um, and, and I think every cemetery is like that. Mm-hmm. Actually, a mortician friend of mine who was in in L.A. said that she thought that it was like that in case somebody locks themselves in. 
Oh, I see. So there's which would make sense. So anyway, I I I had asked this this person, the C two E two person, if she had ever heard of Rose Hill Cemetery. She said that she had broken in there as well. And I had a friend of mine about a year ago. We were driving by Rose Hill, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I was in that that cemetery with my sister. There was somebody who I knew who was buried there." And I said, "Oh yeah," and he goes, "Yeah, something really weird happened in there. It was during the day. We were visiting this grave, and there was a woman in Victorian clothes, or he said old time, like turn of the century clothes, with an old time baby carriage. Whoa! And like these black clothes with the this baby carriage, this old 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 baby carriage. And you know, it's somebody I know, so I wasn't just going to dismiss the yeah. person." And so when I was talking to the C2E2 person and she said she broke into Rose Hill, I said to her, did you ever see the woman in the Victorian clothes and the baby carriage? And she said, yes, we did. Oh, shit. <laughs> and so that's like two different yes, stories. You, you were able to name the exact yeah. thing she saw. Wow. But the fun part about that, you know, I and, and I have not asked Ursula about this. The thing about that is I looked online and I can't find that particular spirit anywhere mm. online. Yeah. And that's where a lot of my information has come from, just because it's like right there. It's real easy to find. So, so I, this must—it's an undocumented spirit that made it over the wall. People, Donald Trump will be very upset. We need to build a wall to keep the ghosts out. Well, the walls are there. <laughs> the wall is there. There's just gaps in the <laughs> middle of it. But but this could be something that you now can add to, like you document this woman. You know, you said you, somebody else told me the same thing. Now it's yours. It's like naming stars or discovering well, a comet. But this it, is the Scott Larson ghost. I figured out who she is. But that's it cool. might not be mine. Just because it's not on the internet doesn't mean that somebody. No, else but that's why it. you got to get on there first. Put it in some. Uh, bits, <laughs> put go. it in some bits there, and now it's yours. Just, but but this is neat. It's like it's like researching paintings. You find trying to figure out the provenance, who the painter is. You can kind of like research these spirits and be like, okay, let's think about who this could be. Well, there there is a little bit of that. You know, when when I started Visitations, I decided that it was just going to be, uh, you know, fictional completely. And, but then, you know, you're going along and you start to hear these stories and it's like, well, how can this not be in the book? Yeah. How yeah. can this not be in the book? And, you know, we're at the Willowbrook Ballroom. That is such a hard name to say. <laughs> and and that's a famous place yeah. for a number of different reasons. Yeah. And one of the one of the things was that's where Resurrection Mary had her last dance. You know, I do. I am not familiar. I like the name already. Oh, you don't know Resurrection? No, Mary. No, I don't know Resurrection Mary. Hit us, hit us with. All it. right. So I think the first reported sighting was of somebody who was actually at the Willowbrook Ballroom, and he was there. There is this lovely blind woman he was dancing with. It was like 1935 ish, something like, something along those lines, and she was very cold to the touch. Okay. And after the dance, he asked if he could drive her home. She yeah. said yes. And so she's in his car, and he's like, well, what's your address? Where do you live? And she said, well, just take me home. Go down Archer Avenue. Take me home. And they go past Resurrection Cemetery, and she's gone. Okay. She's not in the car She's not in the car anymore. And she's not in the car anymore. Oh, crap. And so uh, she apparently had told him her name. He was able to track down her address went over to her parents' house, and her parents were, were like, that was our daughter. Our daughter died seven years ago. Why are you here? Get lost. Oh, my God. Um, but resur- – so she's known as Resurrection Mary, and there's two different people who they uh, think it, it might be. 
And there's um, there's like photographs of them and everything. One of one of the lady's name is Anna Norkus, and the other one was like Mary Beverney or something like that. And um, and it was both they're both young women who were killed in a car crash like around the same time. Mm. And so Resur- Resurrection Mary is really Chicago's most famous ghost. She has been seen numerous times. Oh. Numer- There's a bunch of different newspaper articles about her. Oh, wow. And what happens is somebody usually sees her by the side of the road, picks her up. Same story every single time. I just want to go home. They drive past Resurrection Cemetery. Poof, she's gone. Oh, and there was one person who picked her up and was engaging her in conversation, said, hey, you know, you look kind of like Resurrection Mary. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, just take me home. Just take me home. Just take me home. So, um, Okay, this one gave me goosebumps finally. I'll tell you that much. Finally? Yeah. Sorry. Look, you're trying. I understand. I don't <laughs> know was... if I'm really trying or not. I'm just telling you what I know. Well, this one is spooky. So, um, but the 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 other part about that is there are these there are people who have seen Resurrection Mary inside the cemetery, oh. holding the bars of the cemetery, and the the bars are like all melted and twisted where oh. her hands are, and the cemetery has removed these bars and put new ones in several times, oh, yeah. and they keep. Going back to the way they were. If you look up online, what it's, it's the there. bars are you physically can see changing. Pictures of the bars. Hold yes. on, what the fuck? Oh, you can see right there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This they keep getting bent. This. Yeah. So so they will replace it, and then it'll get bent again like this. Yeah. What the shit? Wow, these are iron bars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's it's discolored like it's. Yeah, and there's fingerprints in there too. What the shit? And it's not some strong guy. This other guy is like putting his hand. You see where it kind of right? It would fit her handprints. Right? Are those her handprints? This is spooky. I did not know about this. Really? How could you? Live I in don't Chicago? know. I've never heard the story. I've never heard of Resurrection Mary. There may have been. Were there like little kids things where you? Uh, was there a? No, that's about? Bloody Mary. That's Bloody Mary. Okay, I was thinking something. Yeah. No. So that that picture right that's there her. is Anna Norcus. That's a possibility to be. And then the other one down there. That could be her as well. The headlines are like, girl is killed, five right. as auto falls in ditch, uh, girl killed in crash. Whoa, spooky. Oh, I like that one. That's a good one. See, the nice thing about, about telling you that is you've never heard it before. It's, ever, it's, it's an old story. It's I'm surprised that ever – I'm, yeah, I'm surprised. Look, there's a lot of things well, I've never heard before. The, uh, <laughs> when, when I was at Wizard World and I was talking to people – I was telling him, you know, I told him the the Rose Hill story and and all that. And I, I mentioned Resurrection Mary. I don't even know why I did, but I did. And she started to become like part of my like, oh hey, well you know, this is Chicago's most famous ghost, blah blah blah, yeah. blah blah blah. And this group of teenagers had come by and they stopped and they're listening to me yak. And one of them said to me, "My mom saw Resurrection Mary." I'm like, "Oh really?" But then the the other thing is teenagers will like dress up in like glowy like stuff and oh, like walk over there. To, so like, it might try be sc- fake uh, well, sightings. I think there have absolutely been it's some fake thing. sightings, but not all of them are fake sightings because obviously there's photos, there's the bars, there's all of this stuff. This is yeah, this is a pretty big legend. All right, so you gave us the the most popular one. How about uh, an a really obscure one? Well, there's the uh, the the Ford Oriental Theater. The Ford Oriental Theater, the uh, Oriental Theater downtown. Right. right. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about this one. And it was the Eriquois Theater. It used to be. 
Yeah, the Iroquois Theater, Theater was the, the first fireproof building in Chicago okay. that burnt down. Why did it burn down if it was for the fireproof? same reason the Titanic sank and was 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 unsinkable? The first okay, I see. Sometimes that shit happens, right? <laughs> and so, six hundred and two people died. Wow! And um, and they were because it was fireproof. There was no fire escapes outside, so some people like climbed out the windows, thinking they were going to climb down the fire escape and fell to their death. Oh shit! And Whoa. and a bunch of bodies were laid in the alley behind. Building, yeah, and so reportedly there are people can hear people, you know, in in the new theater, you know, the new quotes theater, people can hear screams in the theater. Um, People have seen phantoms walking down that alley. That alley is known as like the alley of death or something. Oh shit! And it's right in downtown. Yes, it's right in the middle of the loop. Uh, It's very right. It used to be next to Borders when Borders was there. Very busy uh, area. And the Oriental Theater is still – I mean it's still there. There's a lot of great plays and big big plays coming through there. Wow. Mm-hmm. So have you ever heard of anything called ghost lights? Ghost lights? Yeah. No. I had never heard of them before going to the uh, – The conference. Before going to the conference. But they're apparently s- somewhat common. Okay. What are they? And Well, they're like glowing orbs. And these orbs will will appear in places that have a lot of phenomenon. So one of the places is Archer Avenue. So Archer Avenue, where Resurrection Cemetery is and where the Willowbrook Ballroom yeah. and, and Resurrection Maria, it, that's not the only thing that happens there. Apparently, there is a phantom hearse with like galloping <laughs> ghosts that oh. goes into the cemetery. And, and uh, it, it, there is a body of a dead child or a coffin of a dead child yeah. that is being ushered in by, by the hearse. Like a car hearse or like with horses? Horses. Oh, shit. Horses. And people hear, can hear galloping and stuff like that. So there was, there was another ballroom over there, and it was called the, uh, the Kaiser Ballroom or the Kaiser Hall, and it was a dance hall. And somewhere around the turn of the century, there was this dance going on there. And there was this, there was this guy there, and this woman started dancing with her. He was like a handsome stranger kind of guy, and they're dancing, and, and she looks down, and she screams. Ooh. And you know there are a bunch of people. She like moves away from him. Uh, all these people surround this guy, and he's like over by the window, and he like jumps out the window. Ooh. And they, f- they follow him down the stairs. They go running out, and they look down on the ground, and they see a hoof print. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's what? it's. So, so the 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 story is is that uh, the devil came to Chicago to have a dance in the pale moonlight. Oh, like the line from the Batman movie, no way! Right. Never dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. That's right. So, so the thing that about that. So, I, I read this story and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And so, I contact Ursula Biaski and I'm like, hey, was this um, was this the Willowbrook? And it just changed its name. And she wrote me back. She's like, no. She goes, but it's connected to the the legend is part of the uh, the Devil Baby legend of Hull House. Oh, Hull, Jane Adams Hull House. Yes. Huh. So, and I was like, oh, really? Oh my God, I didn't know that. Devil so, Baby, that's awesome. You, do you know of the? No, that's well, good. I, I, I don't. 
know a whole lot about it, but um, Jane Adams Hall House. First, explain that what that is. Jane Jane Adams was this lady who started this this home in Chicago, yes. and it was kind of like this home for wayward women. Yep. It was like she was trying to rebuild the lives of people who were divorced, people who had been prostitutes, people who had been like your first kind of like just, battered women shelter. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's been around for a long time, and it's a museum now. Yeah. And so supposedly there was a baby born there, and it was like a devil baby, and they kept it in the attic. <laughs> oh, shit. And the movie Rosemary's Baby ah. was based on oh, that. Oh, okay. So I actually wow. – I, I haven't done that much research on that yet. I was planning to because once I do visitation the, – the second series of visitations, I was going to have that featured in there. Okay, cool. And this just kind of adds to it. Now, the disappointing part about the the devil dancing in the pale moonlight story <laughs> is that is not the only story like that out there. There was a story that was from like Kentucky that was out there that was like that, or Tennessee, and, and so that story is so kind of like not may around. not be unique to the right place, but to the region. But it could be one of those things that where he appears telephone every once in a while, and yeah. Well, no. Oh, maybe he does. Is he's maybe making he the does. rounds? I see what he's you're saying. He's making the rounds. This has been great, dude. Great stories. I love that you're pulling this stuff into visitations and combining it. So, uh, why don't you tell the listener a little bit about visitations and where they can check it out, where they can buy it? You're, I, I, I understand you're on issue two, and you're going to be running uh, another Indiegogo campaign, or it's running now. No. Okay. So uh, I did the Indiegogo campaign for issue one. Okay. And I only wanted to do, do it for issue one. And the I reason see. why is I think that stuff is overdone. I think it's not fair to push it on people. I, I know that there are a lot of people who do. And I think that I was really lucky. When I was here, I hadn't even started it yet. Yeah. And I was really lucky because I did exceed the goal. But me exceeding the goal was me sending a lot of emails out to people and bothering people and saying, hey, help. And so there were some people who kind of floated. And actually, one of the fun stories about that was one of one of the one of the prizes was you get to be the ultimate villain in the book. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You drew in a lot of people into your book, a lot of your backers. And, right? and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I am doing that. And I ran a um, a contest at Wizard World, and and five people won. And it, it was actually this was really funny. Wizard World. There were a ton of people dressed as Harley Quinn. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, for, for, for a movie which has been uh, dissed as much as it has, it sure has made a ton of money and, oh, yeah. and a whole yeah. bunch of people want yeah. to be that character. Yeah. You know, it's done extremely well. Look, you put case. Will Smith, Margot Robbie, you're going to get everyone to go see a movie. I guess. You know, and, 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 yeah, but they're seeing it over and over and over. Yes. And that, that's the thing. I saw it twice. I've seen it twice. Uh, and then they, there's going to be an extended cut now, so there'll be more. Yeah, that's kind of bogus. Yeah. I, I wish they weren't doing that. That's I mean, just how they do things these I, days. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> you know, I was one of the only people who liked the Batman Superman movie. See? I thought it was fine. Well, you would, uh, you're would. you not the only one. I know a couple other people. Okay. Did Anthony it's like very, it? It's very – no. <laughs> I probably liked it the most out of all of us. Okay. But look, Zack Snyder makes awesome, divisive movies. It gets people talking at mm-hmm. the very least. Mm-hmm. You could say that much about that guy. So, um, so I was doing the Indiegogo campaign, and um, and I had the prize for like five hundred dollars. You can be the villain, and somebody bought it. I was wow. just like, some stranger bought it. Wow! So I'm not saying more than that because 
the person who bought it is going to be the ultimate villain. That, so, oh yeah, so you can't, you don't want to, yeah, spoil right, it. Right, so yeah. I can't tell who it is yeah. or why or anything. Actually, you could probably find out just by going <laughs> but, um, but that was that was that was a lot of fun. That was really interesting. So um, since I I exceeded the goal, there's this thing on Indiegogo where you can keep it live forever. Yeah. So people can still buy the book from yes, there. Yes, that's great. And so I'm running it a little bit as a store now. No, and that's fine because we talked to a bunch of cats from the UK last month uh, uh, who have kickstarted number all their volumes. And from talking to them, I've realized that Kickstarter has kind of become a place where people go to – shop for comic books to a certain extent you yeah. know so you need a presence there because that your your kind of audience people who read independent comic books are scouring kickstarters and egos looking sure. for some new stuff sure and the other thing is too you know i have i have books over in chicago comics yeah great like view and i have books over at graham crackers downtown right on and uh and thanks for putting our ad in there by the way I oh yeah thank you that personally now face to face i love oh, it was fun that somebody may stumble across that and be like what is yeah. this nonsense let me check it out great love it um and uh third coast comics had copies great. as well but but the thing is i can do better taking these things out to conventions yeah and to right. ghost conventions sure. and everything else and the you know the copies are the copies that graham crackers have they've been there since march they're still sitting there and the thing is, there's so much competition for mm-hmm. anyone who walks into mm-hmm. a shop like that. Mm-hmm. And I know that I was trying to get it up on uh, the Amazon thing. Yeah. And, and they're giving me crap left and right. They're, you know, I keep getting these emails. You can't actually talk to somebody. Huh. But I'm getting these emails saying, oh, well, the resolution isn't big enough. It's like I did these 11 oh, by 17 at 600. Yeah. yeah how, how can the resolution not? And finally, I, I've redone them like five or six times. And I'm like, I'm done. I can't talk to anybody there because there's like no human. So you're trying like, to get it on the Comicsology network I was, there. I was planning to, but uh, now so I think I'm just going to give up That's unfortunate that – because that is another great outlet. Sure. It's unfortunate that the experience has not been no, the best it's been, for you. It's been really uh, – it's been aggravating because not only do they make you wait for like five months before they consider putting it on. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, well, there are these production problems with this and you can't talk to a human being and find out exactly how to fix this problem. Well, look, we – some of our listeners are independent comic book creators. They may have an in. They may have some advice that maybe they'll reach out to you. But they're more than welcome. And hook you up. So Visitations 2, what, when's that coming out? The hope was it was going to be out by the by the end of this week, but I'm only about halfway done with it. It's you know it, it's ended up being a bigger animal than I had originally intended, and to a certain degree, I'm George Lucasing it, yeah. where it's like I'll be going along and then I'll be like, oh hey, this would actually be pretty cool to have in here, and then I go and change it, and and, and so uh, so that's been part of it. And then I've had a lot of stuff happening in my personal life as well, which has gotten in the way a little bit. So. I'm aiming for the beginning of the year. What I really want for these things is for them to come out around Halloween. Sure. So we'll see if I can do that with with issue three. Yeah. For next year, but it's you know it's it's looking like it's taking about a year each for these, which is uh, kind of sad actually. But you know, you're doing you're, you're you're there's a lot of research. You're, sure. You're you're learning a lot. It's evolving. It's- Did you ever think you would be friends with so many morticians? 
when he started this fucking it's, thing. It's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. <laughs> That's the best part. You know, the first issue is still free for anyone who wants it. Oh, excellent. All right. I'll so, put a link in our show notes to this episode. So they can, can check it out. Yeah, and I still get emails floating in here and there saying, hey, I'd like an issue. What I found is, you know, the experiences at the conventions are different every time. And some people are like, oh, yeah, the issue's free, but I want to buy a copy. And it's like, okay, here you yeah, go. Yeah. And, that, and that's fine. Once issue two comes out, which, you know, should be ready f- before C2E2 next year, it'll, it'll be that much better because I'll have both there. Right on, yeah. And the thing with issue two, which is going to be special, is it is – you know, it's it's the Great Balloon Disaster, and so it's a story about this balloon race, and we talked about that yeah. last time. But the the book will be turned with every page that is turned. So um, it's a reader interactive experience. You see a double page spread on one page. You get to the next page. You got to move it, and you get to the page after that. And you got to move that. Oh, fun! And while the balloons are popping and things are happening, the book is spinning in the reader's hands. Whoa! So wait, is this? Oh, so you physically have to turn? Oh yeah. You know what? Jeff Lemire did a, a series called Trillium uh, last year, uh-huh. and it did something. He's great with this. He does something similar where the front half of this book it was like a time travel piece. The front uh-huh. half it's about this guy from 1940 finding this temple in the rainforest. The back half you had to flip over and read the other way, but it was about this girl in the future, and they've also found this temple. Oh, and interesting. So, and so it kind of crosses the last issue. You have a one storyline going across one way and uh, and the girl storyline upside down in the book. And at huh. one point, it, it it makes you turn the page. The panels kind of come together. Oh, they twist and you're turning the book and then you're flipping and you're turning. And it was just a really fun experience. Uh, and it made a lot of sense with the, the timeline sure. meshing, you know. So, look, for the listener, where do you want them to do? Where can they find all your stuff? To, uh, where can they say hi? Well, I can certainly be reached at visitationscomicbook at gmail.com. There is a website, which is uh, visitationscompbook.com. Um, I do have a newsletter I'm, I'm shooting out to people. And you've gotten it. What do you yes. think of the newsletter? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Good good stuff. So, um, so that's Keeps you up to date on all the stuff. Like that. That's how I do it. You're doing all right. these ghost presentations. And uh, mm-hmm. listener, if you're in the Chicagoland area and you'll love this ghost stuff, go check out Scott's ghost, uh, ghost presentation. I don't know. What do you call them? Ghost lecture, haunted Chicago lecture. Yeah, I. You know what? I I I don't want to quite use the haunted Chicago because I know that's what other people are using. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if there's like a copyright on that or not. What would you call it? Because I'm going to name this episode Chicago's Haunted History with Scott Larson. Yes. That's going to be the title of this episode. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so those websites, also listener, check out uh, episode 50 of the Jogger Nerd Podcast about variety. Check out episode 73, which is the first time Scott was on. He talks all about visitations and more of this fun stuff and and i'm hanging I'm, out in cemeteries you vagabond I, <laughs> i'm also on facebook i'm on twitter i'm on google plus i'm on instagram People still use the google plus no, i don't know but it gets me there? up on the on the google thing <laughs> so that's i'll put all these links in the show notes okay, so great. people can check you out scott man thanks for uh bringing a little halloween spirit oh, uh, sure. to the show me. it's perfect i love love getting scared uh and uh you're always welcome oh thank you so much Hey, listen, isn't this fucking shit awesome? Would it be great if someone actually, like, liked it enough to actually maybe support us? How about that, Imran? Did you ever think about that for one second? Well, look, listener, if you like what you're hearing so far, we do have a way for you to support us. 
And how the fuck do they do that? Go on to jockandnerd.com slash Patreon, or you can go on to patreon.com slash jockandnerd, which is our virtual tip jar. It works both ways. Listeners, support us for any amount. You're going to get access to awesome bonus content. Rugs has got mini episodes, instant reactions to movies, more geeky audio than you can shake a geek stick at. Or a geek stick at. Oh, boy. Oh, shit. <laughs> so go on to patreon.com slash jockandnerd and donate today. Hey, everyone. If you're into creepy with attitude, you've got to check out the DXR DeadX Radio right here Saturdays from 4 to 7. Right, guys? Yeah. yeah. We're going to talk to you about everything from ghosts to aliens to Bigfoot to conspiracy theories. Bigfoot being kidnapped by aliens. Ghosts going long for the ride. We're going to be raw, going to be raunchy. That does mean we're going to talk about anal probing, right? Definitely. Definitely. Are we looking for Bigfoot? Guys? 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 Trivia Geeks, the Unpredictable Game Show podcast is back with a brand new season. They've got a new host, new games, and a new day in time. But that's not all. Now you can download their companion app, Triv Now, and play along in real time. Watch Carrie on YouTube as she tries to convince her partner that his dark night hasn't risen in years. Listen on Diamond Club and Alpha Geek Radio, Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Twitter and get all the latest updates and showtimes. I gotta thank Scott Larson for coming in studio. I missed having somebody in the studio because even you, you fucker, don't even come by anymore. I know, I need to come by. Is this the part where I pretend that I've heard this part? Yes, even though you're not going to hear it until the show posts. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so just act like you just heard uh, the interview that the listener heard that I was at, that you weren't at, and it was very entertaining. It was it was very entertaining. It was weird because I had like a huge boner the entire time. Oh, that's odd. Yeah. I don't know if that was the Resurrection Mary helping me out a little bit or what, but Hey, she's a, a benevolent spirit, I guess. She's yeah. funny as fuck is what she is. <laughs> Listen, the one takeaway for the listener, I've got I, I hope you enjoyed it. I wanna ask you a favor. I mentioned this in, in the conversation, but if you are a new listener who started listening to us maybe in the past year, uh do me a favor. Check out episode 50, because this goes back to where we I first met Scott Larson a year ago exactly. Variety Comics, Chicago's longest-running comic book shop, shuts down. I went, and here's why. I did a lot of work to this episode, and it's fucking shitty download numbers. Lame. So, look, just do me a favor. You don't even have to listen. Just go to jogginerd.com slash 50, click the play button. That's it. Just put it on mute. I don't care if you listen. I just, for the amount of work I put in a fucking show, I need a couple of more plays. God damn it. All right, listener? <laughs> do me a solid. It's a good show. Now, it is possible that it's just a fucking shitty show, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so I'm putting it out. Uh, this is, uh, I'm going to play this. Uh, Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. That's what it means to go and listen to episode 50. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> Who is that guy? That's the arrested sir. I love the rug boy. Yeah. Like, I love that line where you're like, this is the democracy manifest. All right. And I'll play another good one and we'll get right into the walking dead premiere. Get your hand off my penis. All right, well, this is it, folks. You've been waiting for this all summer. They've toyed with our feelings, the producers of The Walking Dead. And we finally got to watch the season seven premiere of The Walking Dead called 
the day will come when you won't be. And it's, I'm going to issue heavy, heavy spoiler alerts right now. Prepare to be spoiled. So if you haven't watched it, just stop, come back later. But God damn, does I need to talk about we this. We needed to talk about this now just because waiting till the end of the week is just not going to not gonna work for me either. No. Well, I'm not going to be on the show at the end of the week. You're not going to be there. And you're we, so eager to talk about this. And, and you guys will probably recap it later. Oh, yes. We, we will talk. talk we will also be talking about this on the next episode. But, man, I, 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 I don't know what to feel after watching that. Uh, if we, how, how do you want to start this? You want to... Uh, Recap, uh, basically, not a lot happens, tell you the truth. No, not a lot. I mean, let's just spoil it right here. We got Abraham. Was the yes. guy that gets, he's the guy that when they cut at the end of the last season and it was point of view, it was his blood that was running down his face. He's the one that we were waiting to find out. But, but. they threw us a bonus, a twofer. Oh, shit. Motherfucking Glenn. 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 Glenn bites the dust just like he did in the comics. Yes. Not really. Yeah. So it's really interesting how they did the issue 100 because they did it. But then they put a twist on it. Even the, the scene with his eyeball hanging out of his head is right from the comic book pages. Yeah. Uh, so this episode starts immediately where the cliffhanger left off. Right. And they toy with us for 20 fucking minutes. They toy with us. with a, You're there to see the one thing you've been waiting months for all summer. And they fucking toy with you. They show you other clips of other people in Rick's head. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Rick Negan is toying with Rick, playing games with his ex. And this whole time, and this is another thing with the comic book. Well, I won't get into that. We'll get into that later. <laughs> Because you said I can't mention this stuff on the comic book. But there's a specific reason with the ex and the thing he did with Carl also. That uh, is toying in the comic books. Yeah. So, look, before we found out, before they showed us, like, it was pretty tense, but I was pretty annoyed that I was like, what? What is going on? Just fucking show me. Although I enjoyed Negan, uh, Negan's uh, whole process of making Rich, Rick his bitch. I, you know what? I, uh, I didn't like that we had to wait. Obviously, we've talked about how I, we didn't like that they didn't reveal it at the end of last year. And I thought it was just silly that they were doing another 20 minutes. God, it's so cruel. They're like, fuck it. You waited all summer. We're going to make you wait another 20 minutes, motherfuckers. Well, I just thought that was dumb. And like the part where like he's having uh, memories of every character and like all the good moments. Like the first time it happened me, like my roommates, I watched it with my roommates. They're like, oh, that, that person died. I forgot who was the first person. It was Rosita. And I wrote it down. I was like, is it Rosita? And then they started showing everybody. And I was like, oh, fuck you guys. And this is a criticism I read online too, but it was like, Rick doesn't care about all these people equally. No. They're not Why all Why would he equals. care about Rosita? I mean, he, you know, he cares. Right. But this isn't someone that he cares about as equal as other. So it's not like he's going to, it was just a weird it was just a cock tease that they didn't really need to, you know, put in there because at Absolutely. that point in Rick's, in that point in the journey, those people, the people that died are already dead. Yeah. So why is Rick thinking about every single person in the best moments with them? That was the show fucking with yeah, us. That's literally the show being like, Haha, we're going to stroke your dick a little longer. There was, there were so many of those things in this episode that really fucking rubbed me the wrong way. Excuse you. <laughs> not in a good way <laughs> not in a Donald Trump way, way. Um, I uh, I don't know if we need to recap the entire no, episode no. Um, 
let's just go into our thoughts because they're really, like you said, there wasn't much that happened. No, there was a lot of impactful stuff that happened. So the six month, you have to, we have to address that first. Okay. Let's start waiting that long. Um, it obviously helped the ratings. I looked at the ratings and they were fantastic. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, there. I don't think there was any doubt that this was going to be a highly rated episode because of the way they set it up. Right. I, I do think, though, especially since the comics have come out and we know who dies in the comics. Yeah. By the time this episode hit, everyone knew that Glenn was the guy that died in the comics. Like, you, yes. even if you don't read the comics, you've no, had it, so much time. It got spoiled. Yes. It got spoiled for everybody. Yeah. So there's, there's no, and in the comics, I didn't read the comics, but I know that that was shocking because it was so unexpected. No one yes. expected that to happen. Yes. Out of nowhere. Where this buildup, you know that someone's going, you're literally waiting for Negan to show up and kill somebody. Yeah. So that loses its impact. It does. It totally loses the suspense. Now, the only way around that was to do the what one, two. Because when he did turn around and hit Glenn, I was legitimately like, oh, fuck. Like, I didn't see that coming. But I, I kind of knew, as much as I tried to stay away from spoilers, I somehow knew that there was going to be two big deaths in this episode. Well, see, here's where I disagree. If they would have, and I read this one online, so too, so I'm not, this is, wasn't my idea. But if they would have ended last season's episode yes. with Abraham dying, you show Abraham dying. Then you go to this episode and everyone's like, fuck, Abraham's the guy that died. Glenn's safe. Everybody's safe. Then you start this episode with Daryl punching Negan in the face and Negan being like, this shit ain't going to fly. And he fucking kills Glenn in this episode. Then I think you create that moment again. That's interesting. It is funny how it was kind of Daryl's fault, but ultimately Rick's fault. Ultimately, uh, actually, it's Rick's fault. Yeah. No, but you know what? I have to kind of, I kind of agree. My thing was after I saw this, I really wished this whole episode was the season six finale. Yeah, that would. I awesome. wanted to be left with this. Then you come back and you show me the kingdom. You show me how they're adjusting months after this. Like Rick is broken down. He made him his bitch. End of the season. Perfect ending. This to dra- and even this episode was so dragged out. Like they could have done the season finale and this episode in one episode to end season six. I'm sick of them fucking dragging this shit out. And it's not for character moments. It's just to tease and it's for shock and for, for gore. Like, I don't know what's going on. This is, and it almost felt like a completely different show coming back, which is, I don't know if that's kind of a good thing. I think I'll admit I was shocked. I literally was like, I didn't see that coming. I, I, yeah. I literally, I, they got me. I knew, I felt like Glenn was safe. I was like, Oh, Abraham, he's a cool character, but I guess I could live without Abraham. Bam. Glenn dies. Fuck. So in that sense, that like shocked me. So mission accomplished for the show, the stuff with Negan kind of torturing Rick with the X stuff yeah. that didn't really do anything for me. Cause I was like, this doesn't make much sense. Like, yeah. Well, he's, trying, was to, he he's trying to break him down. Yeah, but like it was like, okay, you're gonna teach Rick a lesson, okay? But then what if he dies by getting him killed? He didn't yeah. give a fuck. I did love him hanging on the walker. Hanging on the walker was <laughs> that's a scene that only Walking off. Dead can pull off. Yes. And then let's get to the part where they tease Rick cutting off his son's own arm. That was, I was like, oh fuck, like this is gonna happen. So that was uh, 
another very uncomfortable moment that almost played out and that they tease in the comics with the hand being cut off. Yeah, so in the comic books, the governor actually cuts Rick's arm off. And so from the beginning, when they were doing that thing with the axe, I was like, oh shit, are they going to do this? Is Negan going to fucking cut his arm off? And uh, they pull the thing with Carl, and it's, uh, it's, it's a lot like the Bible story about Abraham. You know that story? What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Abraham, uh, God tells him to sacrifice his son. And right before he does, he stops him. He's like, okay, you're cool. I was just testing. God, you're a crazy fuck. You were going to do this. Uh, that's fine. And that's kind of what, uh, but for in Negan's uh, version, he was just breaking him. And the fact that he was going to comply was enough. But I thought Carl didn't seem uh, horrified enough. He was just like, do it already. Like, he should have been. pretty hardened right at this point. He's hardened, but uh, the look on Rick's face, like, Negan was legit fucking scary. Like I could not keep my eyes off of him and just the way Jeffrey Dean Morgan is doing this character. Like he's, he's playing it. Well, he scared the crap out of me. He actually did. I was like this. We've never seen this shit before. These people are so fucked. Right. So in that sense, and it ends and you know, and they're all crying and taking the bodies out away and, and they're having that quiet moment. And we can talk about that if you want, but I would say overall the show accomplished two things for me. It surprised the fuck out of me. It made me on actually three things. It made me uncomfortable. Yes. And at least for me, and I've read a lot of negative reviews online and I overall, I have a positive outlook on this one Yeah. in that it made me want to see Negan get his ass kicked. But it, dude, how can they even get retribution from this? Right. Like, this was so I have a couple of I had a couple of issues with the graphic violence. I really did. Like I in certain points I couldn't look. It made me ill. It seemed like torture porn. It seemed like the the scares and shocks they weren't from like character moments. They were just from dragging this out and it was so fucking graphic. I don't think I've seen anything that graphic on aside from Game of Thrones which I don't watch, but that is like I think that's separate in the terms of HBO, but that is the fucking most graphic shit I've ever seen. Like to, to celebrate this guy's eye hanging out and like people are that Lucille is like a, a, a toy now. Like uh, you could buy this thing, but like it's desensitizing people to violence. It kind of disturbs me. It definitely disturbed me. It's funny that like AMC, it like won't let Negan swear, but they will let heads get bashed in on that is so much more disturbing and damaging than a word or even nudity i think look that i love the european uh, style of television monitoring i think they have the right idea they'll let swears go they let all the sex and nudity go there's no violence like and this affects a society if you are inundated with constant violence and repressed you know, sexual scenes and, and, and censorship, like that's going to affect the, the group of people. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's supposed to be violent, but it, it it's, it's, it's not the show used to the, be. The question is, know. the question is, and I, I actually talked to two people. One of them was Kevin, who, you know, Imran, yes. and the yes. other one was Irwin, who, you yes. know, yes. Um, and they both said the same thing to me, which I found really interesting. And it's, it was echoed in reviews, but like reviews, I'm like, I don't like give as much credence to because I'm like, oh, these people are being critical just to be critical. Right. But when like people I know say these same thing and they, what they said was this episode was uncomfortable for me to watch. And not that like 
my favorite character died uncomfortable, but more like, is this kind of just torture porn? Like this That's is just, this episode is just kind of miserable. Absolutely right. Like this I, is like those seventy. Like this is what I'm saying, but this is like those seventy grindhouse like, movies, like exploitation, yes. like cannibalistic yes. films, where it's just like there's nothing. Like this, this film is here to make you just feel sad. And no, you're absolutely right. I wasn't disturbed because I had connected with Glenn, the character, which of course I did. Right. But the way they did this did not elicit that for me. Had you done more of an off-screen kind of implied thing, that would have made me connect with the character. But to just fucking show you? Well, that they're showing you, and then you got Negan kind of like being like evil guy like oh are you trying to say something buddy oh my god are you like, what are you made, saying i was all i like i was ill i was yeah. ill like i was and then you have, you have glenn like muttering words as he's like, oh my god mashed. i'm like this is wrong this is too much did well, they cross a line well they did they did let's think about this you did abraham you had glenn then remember how you talked about how they shot all that footage? Yeah, they Lord showed dying? you those. They used it. Yes, they like imagine the other like was that necessary? What I the fuck I are didn't you doing? Think that was necessary. Dead? I didn't think that. I didn't think it was necessary to start showing everybody getting no, their, their brain why? smashed in. Like it's, uh, like it's you're showing women, and then you're showing even Carl. Like you're showing a child getting his head. Like I mean, you, it's not as explicit, but you definitely see the bat. And blood splatter off of each face. Unnecessary. Like, this is what and then, you call... And then you end the episode with a guy almost cutting his son's arm off. <laughs> this is what you call trolling your audience. Look, so is I, that, is I, that cross a line into almost torture porn-esque? Yes. yes. Yeah. Unnecessary. And I'm going to blame... I, we've taught... Okay, a couple of things. The conversations we used to have with Do Right that were so awesome, you know, always revolved around the characters and the decisions and the morals of it. Uh, this episode removes all of that. Like you can't talk about that. It's not what the show used to be about. And I'm going to go back and mention when Frank Darabont left as showrunner and Scott Gimple started yeah. that. I think that's one of the problems. Scott Gimple is fucking with the viewers because they can't, I don't know why they can't write good characters anymore. They're just going for shock after shock. Well, what this episode did, granted, I enjoy me a good revenge plot line as much as anybody. This show kind of used to be about like them finding their way and like yeah. growing, you know, learning with each other and finding out how to live in this new world and like develop things and like become a society again. That's not the case anymore. This is a whole different least, show. Well, at least for this season, as of right now, it's just a revenge storyline. It's like, how the fuck are they going to get back at Egan? Which, you know, you can use that for a movie, maybe like two and a half hours. I don't know how you're going to plot that out over 13 hours. But think about it. Even in the best scenario, if Maggie kills Negan. Maggie has to, right? I would think so, but I still don't think they're even. Well, <laughs> like, that's what that's actually what uh, Kevin yeah. said to me. He goes, let's say Negan, they, they, they're they eventually going to kill Negan, probably, right? Or that, that's, well, that Maybe. Well, who knows? Comics say no. Yes. But let's say they get Negan's comeuppance. Is that even like... If that was your situation, there's no way you can even, it's never going to be the same. Like, no, you're forever broken because of that situation. He made Rick his bitch, dude. I, what are you, what are you going to do? You have to work for him. Like, well, I'm saying, but I'm saying too, like revenge isn't going to be enough. No, like, it's not. You, you, no, it was no. so, I mean, it was dramatic. Look, I, I, I'll give him credit in the sense that it was devastating as a viewer. Like this is fucking 
devastating. And yeah, the show has to make you uncomfortable, but they they're just they're not doing it the right way. They're not doing it to serve character or story. They're doing it just to be shocking. I don't think I like that. Now, you, that article you shared today was very good from The Verge. Uh, they have a little series called The Walking Dead Quitters Club, where I guess every episode they're like, is this the episode they would quit? Have they gone too far? And the guy at the end goes, yep, this is it. This is the one. We're done with this show. He, I mean, he. I'm just going to quote the very last thing uh, Brian says in this thing, and he kind of puts it perfectly. He says, last night we watched a sociopathic exhibition of brutality all in a blatant attempt to elicit cries of fealty and submission. But the perpetrator wasn't Negan. It was the walking dead. And they were like, if this is, I, I'm curious to see if a lot of people are going to be done with this show. After this. I read that there was an article, I think it was on, it might've been IO nine. I think it was actually birth movies death, but there was an article and this walking dead is one of the main uh, catalysts for this is there used to be TV TV shows used to have like Breaking Bad. I think they listed as a good example of shows where each episode was kind of its self contained self contained story. Yeah, but the plot moved forward, or you learned more about a character, or you know, it, you could watch each episode on its own weekly. Yep, and be satisfied. But now with like the Netflix stuff, especially from Marvel, but they listed Walking Dead as one of the main things for this is that huh. instead of going for self contained stories. They're catering more to the binge-watching audience. Um, and the binge-watching audience, all they care about is something shocked me, I have to see what happens next. Something mm. shocked me, I have to see what happens cliffhanger, next. Set up cliffhanger, cliffhanger next. Set, set up cliffhanger, shock me, big reveal, shock me. Like It's always like end of the episode, what's going to happen next, or something big happened, fuck, I got to know what happens next. So it's, like it's they're not, afraid to almost give some kind of closure per episode. Well, it's that, and it's I think it's lack, it's laziness in writing. It's that yeah. it's thinking, it's not thinking about how can we stretch the story over thirteen episodes and make each episode build on something. It's more we got to fill this episode. We got to I mean, fill this episode. Like this one, like we like we just said, not much really. Nothing happened. happens. There's no character development of anyone but Negan. Well, and you th- and if you think about it, all the last season they built towards Negan. Yes, so it and took it was a whole season to get annoying. to Negan. And then you knew that Negan was there to kill someone. So then you waited another six months to get that part. And in that, it's in this episodes, they bullshit. waited another 20 minutes yes. before the episode where they reveal who killed ne- or reveal who Negan killed. And then lastly, you had the entire last episode of last season, the, like the last 10, 15 minutes where Negan monologued and said he was the bad guy. Basically showed you why he's the bad guy. Imagine you- someone telling you a story like right. that. I would no. smack that fucker in the face. Well, you had that all the last, the last episode of last season. Then you get to this episode, and guess what? You got a whole another episode of Negan telling you why he's a bad guy. So they're really dragging shit out. It's annoying. <laughs> it's annoying when, like the you know the 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 last season started with a nice jump and there was things moving. But if this is the direction that they're heading in, I don't know. I mean, I I want to see what happens at the kingdom, but. Man, really? This is what you're doing now? Like, this was cheap. It was cheap. I don't know if there's any correlation to maybe it just being last season or maybe just a symptom of my ha- viewing habits. But when I binge watched this, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. The when whole I season. The whole, the, not, not the season. Last. I'm saying everything. You know, remember when I caught yes, up? Yes, yes, yes. I binge watched. I couldn't but get the enough. the week to week kind of got frustrated. Week to week <laughs> has made me frustrated. 
So I don't know if it's because last season they started jumping the shark a little bit on this on shock factor and spinning its wheels, or if it's the fact that the show just doesn't hold up week to week. I think it's a combination of both. I think last season, and my friend Irwin, who's been on the show, agreed. Last se- this past last season, which yeah. was season six, six or six yes. or whatever, yeah. is when they really started having these episodes where they were just staying in neutral and grinding yeah. their yeah. fucking gears and yeah. in the same parked car. I mean, think about the season. They should finale. have never done like, the Glenn fake out. The Glenn no, fake the out. Glenn fake out. The whole season finale, whether it's an hour and a half, and they're just driving around getting blocked. Like you could have done all of this, this episode, last episode, in one episode, and left us devastated for the summer. And I would have been, I would have been dying to come back and see. Let me what ask the you a question, because you're you're a comic, you're the reader of the comics. Yes. And I saw this proposed online. Yes. Did we need to see Glenn die like that? And let me let me preface this by saying, yes, he died like this in the comics, sort yes. of. Yes. It was more shocking because it was the first time and whatever. But I've seen an argument online that his death when they did the fake out was a lot more noble and a lot better death because he's with the guy that yeah. he betrayed him and he's still showing a good heart and he dies in this death where there's music and like he's dying going out a hero. I'll agree. Whereas this death, is arbitrary and, it, and it random. Was sho- it was shock factor and torture yep. porn. Yeah, it's cheap. It's, it's cheap. cheap, and it's I, and look, the book, the book is kind of like this. But like you just said, they didn't tease you with the fake out death, and it was shocking because it was the first time. I don't know where our main character, you meet this guy, and in the same issue, he fucking bashes Glenn's brains in. You're like, what the fuck? So Negan is established. One issue, like that's what they needed to do. Not talk about him. He should have just shown up, fuck things up, and then I'm out. And you'd be like, what the fuck just happened? And I forgot, too, in the the one episode where uh, Rick, who's an idiot, <laughs> infiltrates Negan's base without any yes. preparation. No, this and kills is all, all his people. fault. This is all his fault. Right. Kills all those people. You got Polaroids of people's heads bashed. Yeah, constantly So they've been teasing this, this yes. for a while. And, and what sucks about the way they wrote Rick from because of that episode is this like you just said is actually all Rick's fault. If if you think about it from Negan's perspective, yeah, I would be pissed going, at him too. He's going pretty easy. You just killed 20, 30 of his men he unprovoked. Just took out two of yours. Yeah, you did it unprovoked. You literally yeah. came in yeah. in the middle of the night and assaulted yeah. all of who's his the, men. Who is the bad guy here? So you don't expect anything to happen? No, Rick's an idiot. Right. But they've never met somebody like this. But they should have known. But, but they went in. They, they went in hastily. They didn't they do any hastily. prep. Yes. No. They didn't realize right. that this group of people. They went off of the hilltoppers. What they said. They didn't realize that this group of people had a fucking army. Yeah. They didn't do any recon. Nothing. They literally went in there and killed. Pe- Cold blood murdered a lot of people. Also, is Maggie and Sasha walking to the hilltop now? Yeah, that doesn't make fucking what any the sense fuck here. are you be- doing? You're gonna get killed. Well, that and be, like the whole reason why they're out there is because Maggie, Maggie got sick. Yeah. And they were like, we need our whole crew out here to protect her because she's sick. I did kind of like how she was the one. She's like, we have to fight them. And Rick's like, ah, I did I enjoy know. that. I did enjoy that Maggie's like got the resolve to be like, we still got to kill these. Motherfuckers. She's bad. She's badass potential in there. I did. I did. I mean, even though it was torture porn, I did like that. Negan was like, I'm going to stamp this 
not today, not tomorrow bullshit out of you. Yeah. Like, you better fucking fear me. You still look at me like you're going to kill me. No, no, no way. No, that, that, I mean, look, everything Jeffrey Dean Morgan did was fantastic. Like I, like I said, I was transfixed. I was like, this motherfucker is scary. You don't know what he's going to do. And you, you know, he doesn't fuck around. Like he made that clear. And I did love, he's like, then he's like, that's the look. All right. We're good yeah. now. That's yeah. the look. I, I was like, God damn. But when he's bashing their heads in, I was like, oh, oh, my God, is this really necessary? Like the squishing and the fuck. And then it just disturbs me that people are like glorifying this, his weapon to the point where it's like an icon. It's a Twitter emoji. Oh, shit. This violent weapon is a fucking Twitter emoji that everyone is like worshiping. Well, I don't know what if the I'm fuck. not incorrect. I think Talking Dead. Yes. did a premiere and they screened they watched, it on a cemetery. Yes, they watched it in Hollywood Cemetery <laughs> uh, and what? they showed the reactions of people screaming and uh, the whole cast was there and it was raining. I watched that whole fucking shit show. Uh, but uh, I don't know. And if like it'd be one thing if the show was kind of like tongue in cheek, like kind of like Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh, it's like, funny. You, the, okay, go ahead. It's funny you mentioned that. Go ahead. Like that, that kind of then you can get away with that violence, but as noticed by the Talking Dead, yeah, they're taking this seriously because they did these like mo- they did these tributes as if these people were real people. Every, yes, every time they it's it's weird, dude. Okay, so right before I watched that episode, I watched the latest episode of Ash versus Evil Dead, waiting for The Walking Dead, and in that that episode, the, like this B movie horror, the, it, his car gets possessed, drives over his dad's head, and pretty much pops half of it off. To where he's trying to, he's holding his brains and trying to put it back in the skull. And he goes, uh, has anybody seen another eyeball around here? Like, it's hilarious and it's campy violence and it worked perfectly. So I went from that to watching this very serious snuff film almost. Yeah, it And it disturbed the shit out of me. Well. Because I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile those two things. Did, like, it, did it disturb wow. you enough where it's like, I... I guess what their goal was is obviously to shock you, but did they disturb you enough to be like, all right, Negan's a motherfucker. How are yeah. they going to get after him? Yes. So it, then if that's the case, then isn't that mission accomplished? Well, it also almost disturbed me to the point where I was like, I don't know if I can watch this show anymore. I yeah. don't agree with what they're doing. Yeah. That that's the line that I think a lot of people I, are on. I'm right on that. I'm I'm right on the ledge of that line now because it was, I don't know. I'm not trying to be like, you know, a a conservative or a prude, but it was borderline fucking offensive. Like it was so fucking graphic. I didn't, I I, I mean, I kind of knew what I was getting into and it's the walking dead, but the zombie gore is one thing. Mm -hmm. This with living people, it's just, it's another thing. Well, the thing too about Glenn's death is first off, it cheapens Abraham's death. Yes. Yeah. Fuck Abraham. Who cares? Second, like Glenn dying in and of itself is a sad moment like glenn doesn't get to see his unborn child doesn't fucking you know him and maggie are together but it almost was like that all that crap was kind of washed away just yeah. because his death was so brutal that you yeah. were like wait oh he has a child like you're not, you're not even thinking about that you're just like oh, he's just getting brutally mashed you know i just just brought back the when uh, uh everybody hates chris died in the in the revolving door yeah, i remember that was the like um someone asked me is this the most brutal episode and i said there's only one other episode I can think of. Yes. That's when everybody hates Chris gets his face bitten but off. But this is a hundred times worse. Well, yes. A hundred times worse. 
Yeah, because it's human on human. Yes. It's really fucked up people. You know what I thought was a really strange thing, too, is when Negan was taunting Rick and going, I really I bet you thought you guys were all going to be sitting around oh, at the, a picnic the table. The Sunday dinner. And I was like, no. Rick's seen his wife die. Yeah. He's seen his girlfriend die. He's seen children die. He's seen a lot of people that he's cared about. His best friend die. And this I show. Rick, I don't think Rick is anticipating that he's going to live. A, I think he's pretty used to death. And it was silly point. to show the Sunday dinner picnic table. That was weird. Now one of those fuckers thinks that's for their fucking life. You know what's funny? There's only four people left from the first season of the initial group. Well, someone pointed out online. They were like, okay, let's say they they do have dinner like this. Like they yeah. ended up growing old together. Yeah. There's still going to be zombies. Yeah. Number one. Number two. <laughs> this is funny. They're like, I saw fucking napkin holders out I there. know. What was this fucking kitchen picnic spread? <laughs> when would they have time to be like, you know what? We don't. We're, we're done with the essentials. Oh, it was such we bullshit. need some fucking napkin uh, holders. Everyone is clean. And oh, it was so but, I mean, stupid. what they were trying to do was linger on Glenn's son and be like, Glenn never had this moment with his son. Just which, the, they, which, drive the, the, the fucking knife in but, deeper. But, but it was handled so weirdly. It didn't work. Yeah, it didn't, didn't work. Because like, like I said, Rick's, Rick is not anticipating a no. long life with these no. people. No. He's desensitized to death. He knows that more people are probably going to die. I don't know. That was weird. That was strange. Strange. Strange choice in the episode. It was another layer of let's just make this as miserable as possible. And that's, I mean, if that was the, the, the goal of what they're doing, then they achieve that. But I don't like this cheap value. It needs to go back to character, to character motivation, character development, and uh, not just fucking cheap, cheap gore. I, you know, I don't have, I have a little bit more in me, but I even said this when we did our Walking Dead marathon review when I yeah. finally caught up. I said, yeah. I just want to see Rick happy. That's and never you said happen. to me, that's never going to happen. Yeah. So the whole goal of this show is to make you miserable. And at the end of the day, if this show continually just makes you pulls a rug out from you and you makes you miserable, then actually how enjoyable is that? Isn't that to be the, always be sa- like to always be like, yeah. you know what? He's never going to have his day. It's going to be sad. Like this isn't like Peter Parker. No. Oh, shucks. He's no. never going to, have the girl. This is more like there's no hope there's no left. hope for you. Yes. <laughs> so now, what's the point of watching then? Because the thing. we're we're gonna get a tiger and a guy with white dreadlocks called uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel and uh, and what and if the Ke- kingdom's gonna come? What if Carol and uh, what's his face been doing? Morgan. I am curious about the kingdom. I am curious about the kingdom, but I oh man, this it, this episode was fucked up. It was just. That was a rough one. It had me, it's got my head in a tizzy, and I don't know if I like it or hate it. It could be like the best, worst, best episode. I don't know. I think it's going to be an episode that people talk about for a long time, not only because of what happened, but because of the buildup of last season. So it got people talking for sure. Um, But in the cheapest, most lowest denominator way. Right. And I think... They're better they're than running. That. They're at the point where they're in seven seasons too. So here's something I haven't said on the show in, in many episodes. Fuck you. Make it better. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like this was one of my favorite shows on television. Yeah. I, I, you're a little bit more sour on it than me for sure. I was initially at the end of the episode. I was like, wow, that was crazy. I want to see Negan get his ass kicked. How are they going to figure this out? That was my initial thought. So yeah. I was a lot more positive on it, yeah. but after reading reviews and hearing like people that are fans be like, 
God, that was miserable. Like, I'm seeing why this is this could be miserable, and I and I'm agreeing with a lot of it. Like, it made me feel weird in my skin, kind of uncomfortable. Like, if that was the goal, then congratulations. But I don't know if I enjoyed that. Uh, I was just like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? What sucks about this one, if you agree that last season spun its wheels is this episode itself spun its wheels. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like fucking barely anything happened. It was, it's the same night. We've been in the same yeah. night for like so long. Yeah. We've, we're literally in the same night and funny fact, uh, whoever the fuck's playing, tr- uh, Carl is like so much taller. He got really big. Yeah. <laughs> he got really tall. That's and and I was sure. thinking about like the season, the first season, when he was a little kid, and I'm like... He's going to be a grown-ass man by the end of the season. I feel like only, like, two years has passed yeah. in Walking Dead, and he's grown... He's, I mean, he's gone seven years, obviously. I mean, they plan, the show wants to go on for ten years. I, I, we'll see how they play out the rest of well, this episode. did they say that... I mean, the writers are like, this is the, the show that just will never end, right? Or the he's like, you could write this comic forever. Yeah. And in a way, like, it's kind of a reset. I did feel it as kind of a reset. Like, I was like, this is a different show. This is a different situation. Like everything starts here. You're down two guys and everything just starts now under this regime. Well, I would like to see the show get more into like clan, like clan warfare, class, like, maybe class warfare or, yeah, yeah, or the, like, the, or like communities like, fighting. Yeah. The community, like armies and stuff. Ah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like medieval what, type shit. Yeah. Like, you know, like this is our section of the, you know, the yard. And turf warfare would be awesome. Turf warfare, like con- almost like country relations, like foreign relations. It's up at smaller scale with like maybe the kingdom and the Alexandria and I mean, Deegan's you, group. You still have this whole other group called the Whispers, which are awesome also that he hasn't even touched yet yeah. in the show. So there's still more material Ooh, to be mined. But rough. This one was uh, whatever material they, they, I mean, they mined stuff from the comics and this one was uh, particularly difficult for some people. Well, listener, let us know what you thought. I am. Uh, I would love to know what your thoughts are on this. You just visit jockandnerd.com slash contact. There's a bunch of ways to contact us. Are you going to continue? Did this episode make you vomit? Or were you just like, eh, so what? <laughs> this is also possible. Which is possible. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I'm just surprised that they can, the stuff they get away with on AMC, but they Dude. don't swearing. They should just let, look, if you're going to show that, just let Negan say fuck all the time. But what's the harm? It's, it's, it's less disturbing. Did you like Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Oh, I love him. He's doing a great job. Like the character, the, the, the writing I thought was good. The way he's doing it is for like, he's not really, he's tall, but he's kind of skinny, but boy, is he scary. He's definitely scary. scary. I like his performance. I've read some stuff online where he's basically one note right now. Yeah, he's just evil to be evil. Well, but it's a great he's note. sadistic evil. But yeah, he, I mean, he's hamming it up. He's juicing the shit out. Of it. I mean, he makes the governor look like fucking Martha Stewart. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So, and uh, I, you know, I am kind of interested to see some more layers. And he probably has layers. Will we find out his backstory? What was he doing this whole time? You know, he's uh, he's got a lot of layers in the comic book, but it's always uh, very manipulative. There's always goals. He's always playing people. But you don't know who he's playing. You don't know if he's telling the truth. It's very interesting. I'd be curious to learn about him. I'd be curious to learn about how a guy becomes that powerful. There is a, there is, I think they put out an issue of his backstory uh, over the summer, which basically fills in what he went through. Okay. And uh, if you want to find out, you can read that. (laughs) Something about 
his wife had cancer. She died, blah, blah, blah. They're both kind of like Rick in the hospital, but he was there with his wife. So he's had I'd some ra- loss I'd, and shit. I'd rather not. He, I'd, honestly, I'd rather him not be someone that you could have related to. Yes. I'd rather him just have been. It's like humanizing Thanos. Yeah. I, I don't want that. him to be human. I want no. him to be this guy that was just insane just, from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. He's just evil because he is. That's how he was made. All right. Well, good stuff, man. I'm sure I can't wait to find out what Rug Boy thinks. I think he liked it. So we'll find out wow. next episode. I'm yeah. surprised. Yeah. And I mean, I liked it, but I had issues. But it's starting to make me angry. So. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap up this Halloween episode, I got one uh, little announcement. Well, it's kind of a big announcement. Uh, listener, if uh, you are a regular listener, you may have heard me mention that I was a guest on a trivia podcast a while ago. It's called Trivia Geeks. Uh, put out by the Blazing Caribou Studios. And I was on there as a guest, and we had a lot of fun. And recently, they had me fill in as a host because uh, they had a host uh, out, and then they were like, you want to do it? And I was like, sure. Well, uh, that episode actually posts uh, the day this episode will post, so I'll put a link in the show notes. They like me so much, they want me to be a regular Co-host oh, shit. on Trivia Geeks. Are you ditching me, you son no, of no, no, no. Look, this will not affect God this show. God knows I can't produce this show on my own. I know. You don't have a computer or the recorder or, or any of that. I ain't equipment. got shit. <laughs> He's got the <laughs> microphone. Look, it's not going to affect this show, but all I do is I'm, I'm giving him an hour on Wednesdays. I don't even have to prepare anything. This is the beauty of going on other podcasts. I just show up, be my usual jackass self, and then hit the road. And uh, they're rebranding their podcast. I actually, the artwork, I provided the artwork. I helped them with a couple of, of graphics. So, uh, new Trivia Geeks. It's live at Blazing Caribou Studios. I will put links in the show notes to this episode, jockadir.com slash 135. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to be part of this. Dude, these guys, they have a team of like 50 people all working volunteer on like 13 shows. Like nobody's paid. Everyone is just volunteering their time and everything from like writers to producers to hosts to editors. It's pretty fun. Like it's a, I love the spirit of what they're doing. And uh, I just look anytime I can get on mic and make an ass of myself. Why am I? I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump on that. So look out for that. The the first episode of the new Trivia Geeks is out now. Check it out. And well, that's about it, Anthony. uh, I wish you good luck uh, in the in this next week. (laughs) I probably won't see (laughs) you. No, you probably. I mean, you'll you'll see me because we work together. Yeah, and you might hear from me, but. Unfortunately, guys, I can't be on the weekly show because uh, it's just look, this all be over in a once week. Once in a lifetime. It'll we'll be over know. in a week yeah. and we'll be back to normal, regularly scheduled programming. I'll maybe catch up on a show or two so that I can actually talk about things. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like two weeks behind on Shield and one week behind on everything else. We have plenty of time to catch up. Listener, we'd appreciate it if you visit our, our iTunes page at jockandnerd.com slash review. Leave us a rating and reviewing. It just it tingles me in all the right places. Geek boner. Some would say the feels. It gives me all the feels. Ah, uh, yes. I see that you know your judo well. Good for you for knowing your judo. And uh, also, tell a friend, spread the geekery, spread the stupidity. Thanks for listening. This has been the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. Hey, we'll hear you next time. <laughs> Everyone.